0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Sugar Hey everybody. Uh, it's uh Matty P presents Saturday morning cereal. I'm Grim Shea joining me as always is Marky. Say hi, Marky. Uh, hey Grim. Uh we're uh we're talking nobility this week. It's that's uh, um that's a show about space and uh, people in a ship and flying around and stuff. Uh, you know, to to learn more, we we talk to some people and stuff. Uh, like, Grant, just hmm?
2: stop right there. I, okay, this is nobility we're talking about. This is the show we have we have been dreaming of. No, uh-huh. this is high stakes drama. Uh-huh. this is low brow comedy. Oh, uh-huh. this is action. This is adventure. Yeah, this is Saturday morning cereal, oh, and all of that with an all star who's who cast. Uh, Grim, this is what we always wanted.
1: Well, you know what? Yeah, I I think. I think I know what you mean. There was something missing there. I really... Hold on. I I think I know what the problem was. Give me a second here. We're talking Nobility the Series about the adventures of the crew of the CAS nobility, exploring the stars and their own humanity, pushing the very limits of society while learning how to live together. To dig deeper into this veritable universe of possibilities, we spoke to some of the minds behind it, including its nefarious mastermind, E.J. De La Pena, stars such as Cass Anvar, Adrian Wilkinson, Miracle Lori, and even living sci-fi legend, Mr. Walter Koenig. So join us as we set a course towards entertainment and straight on till dawn. I am on board. Woo. <laughs> I did. You're right. You're right, actually. I got to I got to admit that kind of that that one did it for me. Yeah, I, guess, it, right? I guess. Was it maybe the music?
2: Well, I think what it leads to is the point that you got to have all the elements.
1: That's true. That's and true. When you
2: bring them all together,
3: and
1: yes, the actual opening theme from Nobility, uh, and you can more or less only hear it here or a couple other places on the internet because the show isn't done yet. It's not it's, even they're, they're barely going to film it. We we talked. We had a whole show about Nobility uh, about almost a year ago now. It was like our like our second ever episode.
2: We did it strictly based on hope alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we we hoped that this show was going to be what we thought.
1: Yeah. And and the descriptions, uh, you know, I wasn't lying in either version. It is about basically people in a spaceship, yeah. flying through space. Right. And you can start so many shows and they have started so many shows about exactly that. And each one tends to just does its own thing right after you get past that. How does it how do they why is Serenity different from Star Trek? Why is Star Wars different from Babylon Five? Battlestar Galactica. I mean, it's Battlestar Galactica. It goes on there's, and on and on. There are plenty of examples. And
2: for every one that we could think of, there's twenty that never made it. You know, there's yeah, there's twenty shows that we've never heard of. Yeah, we're
1: just mentioning good ones. Exactly.
2: They're, these are the ones that we actually watched.
1: So anyway, they're going back to back to the well on this one, but obviously it's not dry. We can still get something out of it. I think I get excited. I'm a sci-fi nerd. I'm a
2: major sci-fi nerd, but I am also a nerd for nostalgia. And if you can tap into what I remember the most, Saturday mornings, sitting on a couch with your favorite sugary cereal, watching cartoons, that feeling, that feeling is what carries us, is what energizes me today. That feeling, that imagination... E. J. De La Pena, he tapped into that.
1: And uh in order to learn more about nobility, because we are excited we were excited back then. Remember we talked to uh to E. J. De La Pena. Mm-hmm. Well, again, he's the he's the creator. He's the brains behind this. This is his baby. And already last fall he had already got uh funding. He already had he uh, hit a his, few uh... stars already. We talked to James Kyson from Heroes, Cass Anvar from uh Transformers and Argo. Uh, they were already signed up. They were filming little tidbits yeah. to kind of keep keep the momentum behind the project. Uh, and then uh, we kept tabs on them as they kept working. And just recently, they, uh, they've released a whole, well, basically dropped some bombshells with their new cast that they've added. And they're filming, as we speak now, the official pilot. Right. And we also got word that they are all going to be at the Comic-Con. 2014 right. coming up this July and very excited about that they've got a panel they've got a very very influentially located booth they obviously think a lot of them down at uh, down at the old comic-con and it's still at least from what I'm gathering a year away from coming out so we wanted to know more about it I want to know more. It's people in the spaceship, and they say it's going to be a different take on that, and it's going to be good. And the fact that uh, E.J. De La Pena seems so passionate and seems skilled and a fan at the same time, and they're getting more and more talent behind him, such as, like we mentioned, well, I'll just start with, uh, with the Big Bang first. Walter Koenig, Star Trek's Ensign Chekhov, Babylon 5's uh, uh, Bester, mm-hmm. this... Uh, Th- this speaks pretty well to to how how far he's willing to go to make this a genre piece to make this work as actual entertainment. His commitment to itself,
2: but what's it all about? It's also about his just his his security and what he's about to present to us. The but balls it, on this the guy! The
3: balls on this guy!
1: He's willing to put people on a spaceship, put it on TV, and tell me it's something I haven't seen. <sighs> That's ridiculous. And he's going to go ahead and, I'm guessing, blow a lot of budget on CG and giant stars. Well, he's either, either he's nuts or he believes in it.
2: And if, just in case you don't believe in this guy's uh, sincerity, mm. when it comes to CG and special effects and uh, creatures, two weeks ago it was announced on the Matty P. Radio Happy Hour, Doug Jones... Is now a part of this cast,
1: the Doug Jones.
2: The Doug Jones. He's the Silver Surfer. Yep, Pan's Labyrinth, Pan's
1: Labyrinth. Silver Labyrinth. Surfer. Hellboy. Hellboy.
2: He's Ape Sapien. And Hellboy. Mm-hmm. He's in Falling Skies. He plays Cochise in Falling Skies. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 good sometimes when you're ahead of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel that we were a part of this. We were ahead of this.
1: Yep. And we're gonna keep on milking this cow <laughs> until we get a gallon. I swear. Because I did get more excited. Yeah. Uh, we did. They are playing it, you know, pretty pretty close to the chest here. Yeah. They're not they're not giving a lot away, especially because of course they want to make a big reveal at Comic Con. Who can blame them? Yep, they've got a great audience I'll be there, there be and you know I'm going to show up for that. But uh, but still, we talk to a lot of them, and we tried to trick them into giving us more. Uh, I think uh, the first example we should go to. I want to talk to Adrian Wilkinson, who uh, who you may know. Zena, Warrior Princess. That's right. She Xena's was the sister. daughter.
2: I the yeah, sister. Mm-hmm. You're
1: right. Zena's That's sister. a little bit of cred. What else has she done?
2: Oh, she was in, uh, oh, well, my, uh, personally speaking.
1: There we go. She's get the Star Trek guy. N- get, get the Star, Star Wars, Wars Star guy. Wars, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah
2: I got nothing against Star Trek, but no, she was Maris Brood. Badass character in the Star Wars universe and the extended universe. Now it's the Star Wars legend
1: universe. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. But she also is Star Trek, Star Trek Renegade. She's also Don't Star Trek. Don't forget that. Exactly. I thought you were going to go into that. But uh, you know what? Let's just let her tell it. Let's go. She's great. All right, take us away, Magic Interview Machine. Meanwhile, all right, as always, thank you for joining us, everybody. I'm Grim Shay with Marquis, and joining us is the incomparable Adrian Wilkinson. Adrian, thanks for joining Aww. us today.
4: <laughs> thank you for that sweet introduction. That was great.
1: Oh, of course. And, uh, you know, I, I especially like talking to you today because uh, I found out we are pretty much the exact same age. And, and any time I get to talk to a uh, to uh, 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 someone in the industry my age, I would love to ask, why are you so successful while I'm not?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all a matter of perspective. <laughs> so, mm. I don't think, I mean, I feel like it's only a handful of people that, feel successful in the moment. You know, we're all just you know, biting and scratching for the next gig and uh, you know, thank God it's so much fun when we're doing it because it's definitely a challenge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: well handled. Well handled. Um that that would actually mean that you were you know, I am the same age so when I was watching Xena, you were in Xena. That just that just blew my mind there for a second. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, that's, that's true. That yes, that, that was me and Zena, and uh, I guess that was you watching.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's just crazy to me. Though I'm sorry, I just uh, I didn't even really think to like check on that, and so I'm sorry. I just had to interject that my mind is just blown right now. So go ahead, oh. proceed. Yeah, well,
4: perfect. I uh, I love that this many years later I can still be blowing your mind. That's great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and Zena was just uh, it's just one of many gigs. You've had uh, in in like the sci-fi uh, entertainment niche. I mean, you have done some some pretty impressive properties. A, a lot of work with like uh, uh, Star Wars.
4: Yeah, I uh, I've sort of run the gamut of fandoms in uh, in terms of sci-fi projects. So so yeah, I've got the the, the fantasy crew from Xena Warrior Princess. I uh, I've done I think now five uh, Star Wars projects. I've got the, the Star Wars fan base, and uh, recently I uh, I played Captain Lexus Singh in Star Trek Renegade, so I now have the Star Trek crew as well. So it's, it's, uh, it can be some tricky navigation, but uh, I'm certainly a lucky girl, that's for sure.
2: Now, I actually fall into one of those categories. Um, who are the best-looking group?
1: curious. <laughs> <Sure. laughs>
4: Well, you're going to have to tell me which group you're part of. first. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I want you. To, I,
1: I
5: kind of <laughs> want to know
1: first. <laughs> nice try, uh, you know
4: though. Really, uh, being totally honest, uh, I mean, of course, I I love them all. And they're all amazing. But being totally honest, the thing that's really fascinating from the actors' perspective is how different the how do I put this how different the same fan base can be depending on where you are. So you know, hanging out with Xena fans in the United States is a completely different experience than hanging out with them in the UK. Like the the demographic is very different, and I find the same thing with most fandoms. Like it's, um, you know, there can be very specific but also based upon location. So I find that really tricky. Like you can have different age groups that are the most enthusiastic or most popular at the so boards. So the look of the fan base really depends on where you are, which I find really fascinating. Like that's some sort of, you know, anthropological study they could do.
1: Uh, it really is.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah,
1: yeah. something that's successful uh, doesn't mean it's always working on the same demographic.
4: Well, right, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and
2: what about like when a um, when like one of these properties is kind of at the beginning of its like life cycle, and when it's maybe in its like um, older. Um, so if you're in, let's just say, in uh, Asian market, and they're just now getting to Xena, I'm sure that that fan base is very different than you know say here in the states or there in, uh, in Australia or whatever.
4: Right. Right. Uh, well, I can say, uh, um, I think the main thing that would happen is if I went there in person on a fan event, they would be incredibly disappointed because I'm so old.
2: No. <laughs> no, that means that we're old. You're not old. <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, that would be hilarious. I heard an actor talking to me the other day about what a nightmare it is when your show is in syndication because, like, episodes from 10 years ago will air and then the next episode will be current and it's like, who's that old fat guy <laughs> that <role suddenly. laughs> Uh, yeah, but let me let me be more gentle. I will say, um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky in that you're actually saying something that's true in that Xena continually gets introduced to new markets, which surprises me because at the time, Xena was the most watched show in the world. It aired in something like 175 countries. So the fact that there are some countries that are just now starting to get it is really, you know, sort of shocking to me. But it's one of the shows where – You know, because of the subject matter and because of the the fighting style and, you know, it was based a lot on, like, Greek and Roman mythology and, you know, these are all sort of timeless themes. I mean, they deal with good versus evil and, you know, things like that, which, you know, are sort of things that we're constantly uh, exploring, you know, as society. So it makes sense that it would still be something not only easily translatable in terms of, you know, the stories, but that it's something that still resonates with people. So it is fascinating. You know, there's, there's a Zenith convention that happens usually maybe once a year. And, uh, you know, it's really fascinating to talk to the audience because, of course, most of them are diehard fans that have been around, you know, for 15, 20 years following the series. But, but you also have this, you know, huge percentage, probably 25% of the people that show up are people that have just found the show, that just stumbled onto it in the last year. And that always fascinates me. So, yeah, I love it. I think it's, um, you know, it's exciting to to think that work that you did, you know, a ways back actually is actually still fresh and new for people. Oh, do,
1: you, uh, do, do you go to the cons a lot?
4: Um, I go to a handful. You know, I, I find it's a really interesting experience. And for screen actors, it's one of the only times that you get that face-to-face with your audience so it's really a fascinating experience because they are not shy; they will tell you exactly what they loved and also exactly what they hated
0: <laughs> so, <laughs>
4: so uh, yeah. you know it's really fascinating to hear you know the things that went over well with them, the things that that did not at all or or even more fascinating to me is to look at what our goal was versus what actually translated so you know we might have been doing a particular scene thinking that we're doing we're accomplishing one thing but with within the fan base, they read it a different way. And I find that, you know, that really enlightening.
1: Yeah. It's always good to stumble ass backwards into a better show than you thought you had. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me tell ya.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, do you. Well, when you're at the cons, let's just say that you uh, you control the universe for a second here. Could, could you okay. describe to us? what the best way to approach you would be, like your ideal fan encounter from your point of view, what what would that be?
4: I would say just being your authentic self. Uh, there's a lot of people. It's, it's a really fascinating experiment in psychology because there's a lot of people that come up and they're so moved by your character or what your character meant to them that they'll be shaking and crying and truly unable to speak, and that always is amazing and incredibly surprising to me, but even more so, you'll have all of these people that waited in line, you know, sometimes for hours to be able to see the people they love, and then what they choose to do is they get to the front of the line and then they act like they hate you, <laughs>
0: it's just like really <laughs> crazy mean. Huh?
4: Yeah, like huh? it's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah, like. I couldn't care less. I'm here, and then they're wearing a Zena (laughs) t-shirt. and You think (laughs) I just don't believe you? (laughs) So so yeah, I mean, you
1: many forms, yeah. Mm.
4: Oh, exactly. It does. It does. And I mean, most of them are are lovely and exciting and fun, and you know, they're just cool people. So you know, it's it's lovely to meet them. But you definitely have you know a few that uh don't know where the boundaries are and you don't want to be one of those people. They live in infamy.
1: So. <laughs> well, there you go. Really you know your boundaries is, is good advice. And do you, do you consider yourself yes. a fan of uh, of like the sci-fi fantasy genre? Or are you more than just a performer? Are you a fan as well?
4: Oh, this is a tough question for me. Um, cause I would say I'm a huge fan of actors within the community and I am certainly a fan of certain properties, but it's, not, it's fascinating to me that this is where my career has led me or mostly led me because it's not the thing that is the closest to my heart. And maybe that's actually why it happens, because I have a, a sense of calm that, uh, that sort of lets me shine in that genre. I mean, I love working in the genre, without a doubt. It's one of my favorite things, particularly because I think – The sci-fi world or sci-fi and fantasy, they have, on average, they write better female characters or they create better female characters than a lot of other genres because traditionally they create very strong, independent, uh, they write really complex intellectual characters, and I love that. I thrive on that, and I am completely drawn to that and love it. Um, So that is where I thrive. But you know, it's always funny because at the same time I mean I'm not I mean personally I love science, but uh but it's it's never it's, just, it's never been the the genre I've most been drawn to as a viewer. So, I think I kind of ended up with the best of both worlds because I get the best work but I also am not sort of breaking that fourth wall on the properties that I love the most, so I still get to to have sort of the full fan experience without knowing, you know, how the donuts are made uh, as a viewer.
1: <laughs> no, that's I, that, that's kind of good because obviously it has left you, with, if nothing else, with a huge respect for the genre itself. I mean, uh, and Possibly, a deeper understanding I mean, than than most of us have.
4: Uh, I well, I can't say a deeper understanding because most of the fans would blow me right out of the water with their uh, all <laughs> the information. To say no, um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's actually kind of ended up in, as being the best of both worlds because it lets me, you know, really sink my teeth into those characters and and you know sort of dig into them and present them the way that I most want to. So so yeah, I'm I'm lucky.
1: Well, I think as long as we're talking about the genre, we should probably touch on nobility at some point. Oh true, let's do. Let's chat about it. Uh we are uh, we are really excited about this, We talked to uh to EJ and Cass and James uh almost a year ago when they were still working on uh on the early pilot stuff, I think. And they got us pretty excited then and we still even though it's finally got a real IMDB page and everything, we still don't know a whole lot. So why don't you do us a favor <laughs> and tell us how nobility is making its mark in this, in this genre. Because otherwise, all I know for a fact, it's a people on a spaceship.
4: Um, well, it is some people on a spaceship. <laughs> I, uh, I can confirm that. Um, there's a lot that I actually can't confirm because it is all still going together. You are talking to me right before I actually start filming. So I haven't finished any of my scenes. Uh, but we have shot several days. And by the end of the month, the project will be completed. Uh, we will be at San Diego Comic-Con, and we will be revealing some of our very... Uh, we will be revealing the very first things that we can share, and I'm not honestly sure if that's going to be trailers or if it's going to be a first episode or what exactly it is that you'll see, but but uh, uh, we will be premiering uh, material there, so I hope everyone will come check us out. Uh, you know, it's... a. Uh, What's really interesting is DJ has come up with this world that is simultaneously epic, and it's this sort of huge space drama uh, with these, you know, enormous storylines and this incredible history of the characters. I mean, he's really built this entire, you know, sort of skeleton that, we're, uh, that the, the actual script has been based on. But at the same time, it's also incredibly intimate. So there's a lot of personal dynamics going on amongst the crew and amongst um, uh, different races that uh, that really add to a lot of drama. At the same time, what makes this show stand out is that it has a sense of comedy. It's you know we're calling it a dramedy because it does innately have a lot of comedy because the the main crew of nobility is actually made up of sort of. Well, a bunch of people who aren't necessarily talented enough to be there.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know,
4: the, the tagline is these are not the heroes that you're looking for. And, you know, what that means is that, you know, you sort of show up on the ship thinking that you're, you know, about to meet all of these sort of, you know, act and hero type super space people. And instead what you're getting are, you know, people that are incredibly flawed and, you know, terribly human in, you know, in all of its glory, which is both. You know, exciting and sweet and funny, and and also clumsy and inept and confused and irritating and irritated, and you know, so there's a lot of comedy involved in, you know, a lot of um, a lot of projects set in space are very much set on you know saving humanity or you know exploring the great frontier and you know just uh, there's you know all of these bigger things, but half of what nobility is, is just being able to survive each other in this small space. And, you know, I think that, right, I think behind the Mm -hmm. scenes or or like uh, maybe not the scripted part, but I think within every show set in space, that has to exist because i mean really it's a bunch of people on a very in a very small space for a very long time but that's sort of never the part that's highlighted and i really love that that with nobility you're getting that immediately you know you immediately see you know who the people are that are drawn to each other who the people are that at this point in the journey are already trying to avoid each other and you know in just the various ways that each person is trying to cope with with uh, the human element as much as with their jobs.
1: So it's, it's kind of a, a grand galactic space opera, uh, but mostly set to a very small confined space and focuses on the humanity of it all.
4: Right. I would say in each episode, oh, okay. what you give a, the, it, Yeah. It's like every episode I think focuses on them, getting, you know, dealing with the, the large problems that are arising and dealing with, you know, the things that are, um, uh, you know, the potential problems that they're each facing in terms of, you know, their mission. But then equally, each episode also deals with the interpersonal dynamics between all of the cast. So, you know, they keep throwing around um, archetypes like uh, Firefly and The Office, and there's definitely some, some bits of that that go along with the drama.
1: Well, how how does that stack up as compared to say uh, Star Trek Renegades? You know, kind of the same starting starting point narratively. People on a, on a spaceship. Sure. How is that different then? Tell tell us more about the Renegades project.
4: Um, well, I would say they're actually entirely different. Um, I mean, the main obvious thing is that you know Renegades has this you know decades long history of Star Trek, and we're honoring that. You know, we. We're considering the city canon, and we pick up the story about 10 years after Voyager, and this is straight drama. It's incredibly dark. Uh, we're calling it the dark side of Star Trek, which, again, I think always existed, but you've just never seen it until now.
1: That says a lot, not just for... Uh for the Star Trek property itself, but also the genre, that we could just keep going back to that well, and not only is there more there, but it's a kind of like a like you said a different take every time it's lighter, right. darker, sexier, more respectful more more broad, more focused, and this is a universe that can sustain all of that. I think that's awesome. Thank you for helping to keep this universe moving uh, absolutely
4: oh excellent well, I'm excited about it I mean it was, she's one of my favorite characters I've ever played. And, you know, just the, it was really amazing because the, you know, we didn't have any rehearsals before we started and miraculously all of the crew members, we just fell together as if we had known each other for years. And we got some really exciting work done and just, you know, the dynamics between the characters I thought were really exciting. So I'm hoping that, I'm hoping everybody likes it. And I'm hoping that they can see it soon because we're still sort of figuring out the release date.
2: And before we let you go, um, I'm sure you haven't figured this out yet, but I am a Star Wars junkie, and I would be butchered if I didn't at least kind of have you touch on this a little bit. Um, you obviously not only provided the voice, but also you modeled for Maris Brute. And she is, you know, for for those of you out there listening right now, you have to Google this name, uh, B-R-O-O-D, <laughs> uh, one of the coolest looking Star Wars characters ever conceived. It's it's a nightmare version of, of Darth Maul, basically,
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah. from the uh, Force Unleashed series. From
2: the games, Force Unleashed right? series, exactly. Um, so you are obviously very deeply, you know, involved in the creation of that of that character. You are part of the fiber. Um, what's it like being a part of the Star Wars world? Um, and what's it like having your own toy figure? <laughs>
4: um, the answer to both of those is it's freaking awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
4: yeah, I mean, Maris is so sexy and interesting, and, you know, she has this incredible backstory. Only, you know, a fraction of her story made it on screen, but she has this amazing story where she started out as a Jedi. She started out good, but then, you know, she she lived during this incredibly fraught time in the universe, and everything around her started being taken from her, and all of her fellow Jedi started being murdered, and she ended up... On this planet By herself For years Where she went insane And when she went insane That's when the dark side Was able to Enter her And uh, And so you have this, You know You have both sides To this character You know She's almost Multiple personality personality Type of woman Where You know She has all of this Incredible history She was You know This This Jedi history And then now She has been Completely wooed by the dark side from you know being left on this planet all by herself so you know she's also insane and she's also this incredibly wicked fighter and she's lonely and she's desperate and when people are desperate they do desperate things and you know it's really it was a fascinating journey to watch what she went through and And, you know, the only thing that was depressing is, you know, I had been told again and again that she would be a major focus of the Force Unleashed 3, which, unfortunately, they ended up never making. So I hope in some way she will come back. I mean, you know, Maris Brood exists in the time of Rebels, so I'm hoping that there's a, you know, at least some possibility that maybe she could show up one day on Rebels, but we'll see.
1: You have my vote. I, I would love to see her in this. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I I think I might even watch me one of them Star Wars things if you was in it lady.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. All right. <laughs>
1: nice. uh, thank you awesome. so much for talking to us today, Adrian. Uh Absolute again, pleasure. A yeah. um, uh, very impressive resume and well, I'll be seeing you on T V long before you're seeing me. So uh I hope that helps you sleep <laughs> at night.
4: Oh, that's hilarious. Thank you guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
3: The trouble with having fruit and cereal is you run out of fruit and are left with just cereal. But that won't happen with Post Raisin Bran, the fruit and cereal lover's cereal. Because Post packs three packs of plump, sweet raisins into every box and combines them with the crispiest bran flakes. So you can get raisins in every spoonful. With Post,
1: you won't run out of fruit. And that's very special. Post Raisin Bran, the fruit and cereal lover's cereal. And that was Adrian Wilkinson. You liked her, didn't you? Didn't you, Markey? I always have Zena. Uh, yep. Probably in the very late '90s, mid '90s. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah mid to late '90s, Zena, the the Kevin Sorbo years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Kevin Sorbo was big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah,
2: I mean, and she was. <laughs> she's in it. She's already. That just blew my mind at the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's weird to think about numbers like that and and existentially. <laughs> brightening as hell. I can't stand it. What, what why do we bother when there's when there's better people like her out there?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> But she told us a lot about nobility, which uh, like is why uh, we were here. Yeah, I mean this is yeah, that's she, whole purpose. She did a great job and uh and and as we learned, uh, most of these people we're talking to haven't filmed anything with them yet. They just got signed on. They're about to do their parts. Uh we we might have jumped the gun a little bit, but obviously they've read the script. They've talked to uh to EJ and, boy, that guy. I don't want to keep going on about it. But well,
2: but you know what, though? Like, its it should be enough that Adrian Wilkinson is in it, mm-hmm. you know, or Doug Jones is going to be in it. Yeah. You know, but... Big names. Big names. Walter Koenig is
1: also in it. Walter Koenig? Walter Koenig. That's right. <laughs> I, and, and, you know, and just... I, hold on. Let's get the music back up here. Mr. Walter Koenig.
2: Exactly. And just the fact that he is in this validates the whole thing.
1: Yep, it does give it a real credence. Like now, now it's got street cred.
2: Right. If Doug Jones wasn't enough, if, if he and he should order. and he
1: should be, he should be you greedy, <laughs> be you greedy monsters. <laughs> but
2: Walter Koenig is in it. You know, mm. I mean, he's it's, it's, this is checkoff. This
1: is. Uh, anyway, we should just, let's just... Meanwhile... All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I am Grim Shea, joined by Mark E., and today we are talking to literally a screen legend, Mr. Walter Koenig. Thank you so much for talking with us today. My pleasure. Uh, if, in case uh, you at home listening uh, were were actually born yesterday uh walter Koenig uh first came to prominence in a little show called Star trek as uh ensign chekhov uh he, he, he had that gig off and on i'd say for uh the last several decades, also known in the genre from from another show called Babylon Five those of you who watch that uh, uh Cop Vester. And, uh, you know, I want to start right away. We, uh, When we knew we were going to be talking to uh, to you, we went out on social media to get a few questions together. And I want to get this one out of the way from Ben from Orange County, because I think I, it does get into something I want to talk about. But he mentions that since you played Chekhov, who's an, like an eager-to-please, go-getter, Younginson, and then later you played Bester, sort of an egotistical leader of the Psy which role did you enjoy more, the good guy or the bad guy?
3: Well, I, I, uh, I enjoyed playing Bester more, not because he was a bad guy. He just was more dimensional. There was more to do. He was more pivotal to the, to the storyline. Uh, his contribution was just greater in terms of um, what was on the television. Okay, see,
1: I, I like that you took that uh, that route instead of you know it's uh, it's more fun to play the bad guy something to sink your teeth into. You looked at it as as how does he service the the whole. That's right. That's uh, a, a lot more humble than I was expecting. You know, someone with your success to be. So so thank you. I again, I a huge fan. From uh, from the Star Trek days and onward as, as a kid, some of my best first memories Are me and my mom uh, In the afternoons watching it on, in syndication And that just speaks to how it crosses generations It is, as a franchise, just as popular now If not more so Than, than when it first came out, of course, in the 60s
3: Well, yes, I, I'm sure that's true uh, well, You know, with all the... Um... With all the shows that evolved from it, with all the different Star Trek shows that evolved from it, and the motion pictures, and uh, the new motion pictures, it certainly has had a uh, very durable life form.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's a great example of, of how the, the power of fans can kind of influence and shape uh these 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 great stories going forward because the show was you know infamously canceled ahead of its time by the network and then a little over 10 years later just demand from this rabid fan base got it it was one of the first examples ever of not a, not so much a reboot but you got a an honest to god motion picture out of it which was unheard of back then
3: Well, I think uh, some credit must be given to Star Wars. Um, While we were in the hiatus, so to speak, uh, Star Wars was released as a feature film and was so enormously successful that Paramount was forced to look back on the archives and see (laughs) what property they, they had that might compete and discovered that, what do you know, they still own Star Trek. So, in one, in, in one instance, Star Wars was inspired by Star Trek, I think. Yeah. And oh, next he's... instance, Star Trek was inspired by Star Wars. So, it, it, it worked to mutual benefit.
1: Which, which, is, which is good for all of us fans. Because, yeah, Star Trek opened that door to what is now... Uh, you know, Star Trek, as far as I... Can tell was one of the original, you know, like uh, conventions where fans, like-minded uh, fans of the show and the genre, could get together and celebrate that. And that in itself has spawned this multi-billion-dollar-a-year industry in the in conventions, with new ones right. uh, popping right. up all over the place. Do you uh, do, do you still go to cons, or is that? Yeah, because-
2: I do. I do. Oh, bless your heart. And Are you like a rock star when you go to one?
3: Uh, no. There aren't too many, too many seventy-seven-year-old rock stars. Out
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the best ones are. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Mick Jagger would disagree. Yeah, there's, there, well, there's Mick Jagger, and then I think <laughs> that's the example that jumps on everybody's, turns everybody's mind. And then you got maybe well, I don't know how old Elton John is, but I don't think he approaches Mick Jagger. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: um, it, it, you were uh, famously brought into the uh, Star Trek series because of your looks, um, specifically that you were like the Davy Jones of the year. Of the, uh,
1: kind, of, kind of brought in to appeal to the youth vote. Right. Um,
2: yeah. And so I find it to be ironic that now you, know, you were brought in because you kind of looked like a rock star. And now when you go to these conventions, you are the rock star. I think that's just excellent.
3: I'm the rocking chair star. <laughs> <laughs> it's even
1: better put. <laughs> well, that's, well, you know, uh, if if I were as a fan to see you at a convention, what would be, in your opinion, the best way to approach you? Because I know people probably lose their minds when they try to talk to you. And if you just could give a little advice to all of us uh, starstruck ones who would like to uh, share a moment with you or get an autograph or just express our thanks, what is the best way to do that?
3: I've got a feature film with a great part for you, and would you be interested in playing it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, my
1: God. I can't believe I've never tried that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
3: there you oh, go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there. Do I
2: actually have to have one or just say that?
3: Well, that's the way to approach it. Once I find out that you don't, then I can say thank you very much. (laughs) Here's three quarters of an autograph, and now
1: you can go. Yeah, (laughs) right. Uh, Well... Well, you know, speaking of uh, feature films, another another example of, of the power of fans and just clamoring fan bases, it looks like we are getting another uh, Star Trek show, or potentially at least another Star Trek TV movie slash pilot in uh, Star Trek Renegades, which you and a number of Star Trek alumni have agreed to be a part of, and I'm really excited about that. How, how did that come about? Was this... Strictly about the fans wanting something and it materialized.
3: Well, I think I think the fans have always um, been very forthright about their continuing interest in Star Trek and wanting to see it. Um, you know, again, um, you know, in, in, te- in, uh, in on television screens or in, on the motion picture screen, and never. And as much as they love, and they certainly do love, these these two um, most recent uh, reincarnations, um, they also want something that they can embrace um, that feels a little little bit more like the old Star Trek. So I think with with, with the Internet and everybody's commenting all the time about... uh, the old star trek the next generation deep space nine as well as our show and the others um the the feeling has always been that there is still room for something of that order as opposed to the 200 million dollar feature film Mm -hmm. um for fans to enjoy and star trek renegade is um is an answer to that, is a, is a reply to that. Um, there are some original cast members uh, in, the, in the film. Uh, and there's some brand new ones, fresh faces that I think the audience will enjoy. It's, it's definitely a Star Trek story, and um, I think um, those who get to see it when, it, when it's released uh, will be pleased. But I think I'm here more to talk about nobility than I am that. So um, I don't yeah, know how much you're time you have. right. Yeah.
1: To that. <laughs> uh, good point. We probably should spend a little time on uh, on nobility because, yeah, we uh, we actually just finished talking to uh, E.J. De La Pena and, and also Adrian Wilkinson, uh, and we've talked to uh, to E.J. actually a number of times over the past year while he's been putting this together. He's got us really excited. But, of course, since it is in production and there are you know, we're kind of – kind of playing playing the cards close to his chest, we would like a little teasing. We want to find out why or how nobility is making its mark on the genre, and and we would love to hear your take on
3: it. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I thought you were just going to ask me if I was in it. Am I happy? Well, it's a space opera, and it's, it takes place... Uh, more specifically aboard one spaceship and there are alien uh, races and there's, there's some romance and there's a really grumpy uh, old engineer who, whose dialogue is mostly incoherent grumbles mm-hmm. uh, who seems to be in and out throughout the entire story and I play the engineer and well, you know, who, who grumbles incoherently but makes his points emotionally. Uh, it's a story with you know that has drama, but it also has humor, and I sincerely hope that the humor is played up as strongly as it is, uh, as it is uh, uh, evident in the in, in the in the dialogue, because I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, a strong, a strong cast. Uh, uh, male and female um, that I think the audience will really take to. Yeah,
1: we've we've kind of been trying to trying to get a read on exactly how much humor is going to be in it, and that is one uh, one theme that we've been getting from everybody we've asked so far who's involved is that the humor is very upfront. It's not gimmicky or slapsticky. You know, it's kind of natural. Humor we're hearing, but it is it does play a prominent role, and I like that. I don't want everything to to try to be a blockbuster movie on the small screen, right? I like you know, have a certain freedom with television in that you do have limitations to play with, and when it's done well, uh, and and in this in this sci-fi fantasy genre, it's easy to do it well, and it's very easy to do it badly. So right. I. It sounds like with this talent involved i'm i i I feel comfortable having my expectations up, yeah
3: good, good. Keep your expectations up and your chin up, and whatever else works oh day to day, I always check them all okay um,
1: uh oh, let's see. I almost forgot uh we've got another question from the social media that I promised I would ask. this is from uh. Jimmy in San Diego. Uh, and he wanted to know, uh, oh, and he says he's a self-confessed uh, uh, little kid fan, who also happens to be a married father of two. Again, speaking to cross-generational appeal. Easily. But he wanted to know, first, your take on uh, on on Al- Anton Yelchin's performance as, as the Chekhov character, and specifically his accent. And is he hamming it up the same way that Gene Roddenberry had you ham yours up?
3: You know, I really, really object to that term. Uh, it really sends uh, my blood boiling. Uh, I don't believe that in any shape, way, shape, or form I hammed up that accent. Um, I, if that's the case, I should have said to my father when he said, "Pass the vegetables, Dad, you're hamming <laughs> it up. that's that's, that's the way my father spoke that's the way some Russian dialects are that's the way some German dialects are if you listen carefully there are some German dialects where they substitute the V and the W replace the V for the W and vice versa Um, so uh, I think Anton's accent is fine I think he certainly did try to to replicate mine and if he had his own way being only um, uh, coming to this country from Russia when he was one years old I'm sure he would have chosen a different path than <laughs> the one that I did that's not to say that what I did was not uh, was not accurate for some dialects but in any case I think he's a terrific actor uh, I was very very proud of his work and I know he has a huge um, Future in the business, not only as Chekhov. Well, I certainly hope, certainly hope not as Chekhov alone, but playing many roles. He's done title roles in other films. Um, he's he played opposite Anthony Hopkins in a film when he was even younger. So uh, he doesn't need me to defend him, and, uh, and at the same time, I do support him because I think he's he's so much fun
1: yeah yeah I think uh, years ago I saw him in a movie called uh, alpha Dogs i think, and just he blew me away
3: when he was yeah. very young
1: at the time, really really an exceptional actor um, uh, uh, i I think should get back to mobility yeah. Um, the- yeah uh
2: what do you uh you know what do you think about the way that the that the show is kind of picking up now, and can you tell us a little bit about some of your cars
3: i I didn't hear the last sentence.
2: Uh, can you tell us a little bit about some of your co-stars, um, uh, Doug Jones, uh, Aidan Wilkinson, so on? Yeah.
3: Well, I, I you know I haven't worked with him yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Doug Jones from 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 films, and he's a uh, very interesting actor, and he's a very funny guy, and uh, I certainly hope um, that we get to work together and then we have scenes together. Uh, the uh, the young lady is uh within uh renegades, Star Trek Renegades and mm-hmm. she was very effective in that, so I'm sure she'll be equally so in this. And, and and that goes for the rest of the cast as well. I I don't know them. I don't you know, we had we had a we had a um a table read, uh, two or three weeks ago, but we didn't have the whole cast there and uh it went smoothly but I, I, I couldn't tell too much from that.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is this has been driving us crazy because, like I said, we first started talking to uh, EJ uh, and and Cass and James about this almost a year ago now, and it got us excited. And then when we realized it was time to check in again and do more, uh, and then we realized, well, it's they haven't even really kind of been filming. All they did was, you know, working very hard the entire time up until now. But it just reminded me that it's so much easier to be a regular fan when you hear the show is coming out in six months and then it comes out in six months. But when you work on these things, it is a commitment of years.
3: Yeah, indeed. You know, and there is CGI and there, you know, a lot of post-production stuff that has to happen. And uh, so it, it probably will be at least you know, a year's time before that it's ready for presentation. But, you know, the potential is certainly there. E.G. is a, uh, seems to be a clever director and, uh, a writer, rather, and uh, the cast that you mentioned are all veterans. They've all, you know, uh, cut their teeth in other projects and uh, are certainly strong and effective performers. So uh, with that and with an interesting script and with a director who has had experience, um and i and a crew that is professional and well trained um, I think we have a good chance of having a a project that uh, the fans will be uh, very interested in seeing
1: i was, i like i said i I know I am and though i I like to say i can 't know that I have no choice well i 'm going to have to, but as a fan i 'm willing to do that and, wow. uh, you know Speaking of which, and what I, what I, we love talking to E.J. about this because it comes through so immediately that he is a fan of sci-fi, of the idea of, you know, he just took a kind of standard narrative jumping off point in sci-fi as the trope of, of a crew on a spaceship. And already, even though he's not giving us very many details, he's already described a much deeper, fuller world that sets it apart from anywhere else that that, uh, that that simple idea could have gone and you can really only do that in the sci-fi genre.
6: Yeah.
3: Well, as you say, I think he's done it and I think he's done it effectively and now we just have to you know roll the camera and see how it all transpires.
1: All right. Well, I've I got, I got more than just my fingers crossed and my chin up. I am, I'm believing in this. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Well, you probably don't Really, even need to plug anything else? You've uh, you've you've already no, got your career anything. well and set. You're <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm through yeah. plugging. I once tried to do hair plugs, and I gave that up, so I'm never going to plug
2: again. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have on here to ask you about your wig on the first episode of season two, like when you first arrived onto the onto the uh, Trek lot. I, you know, it, there was a was a mighty large wig on there, and then all of a sudden, it went away.
3: Well, yeah, that's true, but it was more than one episode. It was about six or seven episodes. Uh It felt that way, yeah. We got it from Max Factor, and we tried out a bunch of different different colors, blonde and brunette and redhead, and finally decided on the one that I used. Uh, My hair was very short. I had finished shooting my own film, and my hair was very short for that, and they wanted to uh, do something similar to the to the davy jones look on the monkeys and because they were looking the for that yeah you know, they're looking for that aged audience you know the 8 to 14 year olds and uh the show had i guess lacked in that demographic before i came aboard so now they had somebody they could uh, they could throw into, the, into that arena, and hopefully the fans would would you know respond, and they did. Got a lot of mail and online paper.
1: Yeah, it, tests, it sounds like according to the legend, that was uh, you know that kind of got Chekhov his his spot in the show, to cemented him in there, regardless of what the uh, what the producers were telling you when you got hired. I guess it was the fan reaction from this younger demographic that guaranteed uh, Chekhov was staying put.
3: Well, Chekhov is definitely groovy. <laughs>
1: Chekhov
3: is groovy. I'm going to make that into a
2: shirt.
1: <laughs> well, that, that was so great. Thank you so much for, uh, for talking to us again, Mr. Kane. I just want to thank you for giving up your time. And uh, I I literally have been uh, shaking a little bit this whole time speaking with you. I, you probably are sick to death of hearing that from, from, uh, from, from fanboys like me. But, well, I couldn't not say it. And later I'm going to call my mom and tell her all about this conversation. (laughs) I really am.
3: Great. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate having the opportunity to talk.
1: Uh, Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you in both Nobility and the upcoming Star Trek Renegades, and I will be looking for you and your entourage at San Diego Comic-Con later on this month.
3: Okay. Take care.
1: (laughs) Take care. All right. Thanks. You too, sir.
3: Bye. We're at Monster Stadium Frankenberry steps to the plate.
5: Yeah. I'll fill it with my delicious strawberry-flavored cereal Frankenberry. You're out! A good nutritious breakfast with coachoccula is a real hit. Frankenberry. Cochocculture! <laughs> Both you
2: guys are glad. <laughs> <Herba.
6: laughs>
2: Star
1: Trek, the motion picture
2: collector's close-ups.
0: It's Mr. Spock. And the Uhura.
2: You can get Star
5: Trek, the motion picture collector's close-ups. Two on each specially marked box of the monster
1: cereals. All right, and if you're just joining us, you just missed living legend Walter Koenig, yeah, and Chekhov, Chekhov himself. Man, that's badass. And you know, he is. I'm not joking when I say he's a living legend. So, you know, if this guy gives your uh, your new sci fi show a thumbs up, yep, like visits the set, agrees to be part of it, That my friend, that's basically like a rubber stamp. That's
2: exactly what it is. Uh, he's a, he's an absolute legend. Mm. Um as soon as he was tagged to this, I mean, if Doug Jones being on on this mo- on the show is not enough, you know, you're going to bring in Walter Koenig. I mean, this is the this yeah. is the real deal. You know, yeah. this is this is the start of science fiction on television as we know it is Star
1: Trek. Mm. And And
3: I'd like to say,
2: I
1: think we probably knew about Nobility before Walter Koenig did, so
2: (laughs) (laughs) big ups to us. Yeah, yeah, we probably still know a little bit more than he
1: does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That Uh, was was awesome talking to him. It was absolutely great. Because, you know, you can't, well... You can't not ask him about Star Trek. Yeah. So apparently, yeah. asking Walter Koenig about Star Trek is a little bit like asking your grandfather if he had fun in the war. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly lighthearted. <laughs> yeah. But what are we supposed to not do it? We can't. I can't help it. I can't. I tried to control myself, but I've got to ask him about it. I'm a just like millions and millions of others. I'm a huge fan. Um, I think deep down he still is. He's just sick of talking about it. Well, I have been in Stanley's
2: presence numerous times in panels. I've sat next to him. I've actually had conversations with him before, um, and he's. I have heard the same stories from him over and over and over again, like verbatim, mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over again. How did, how did he come up with the Hulk? How did he come up with Spider Man? All this stuff, like all these cool little anecdotes, over and over again, and yet. I'm dying to hear them every single time, you know, I love when Stanley talks. And I think with uh, with Mr. Walter Koenig, it's the same thing when he is telling a story about Star Trek or about William Shatner or about any of that stuff. We're dying to hear it, even if we've heard it before. And I'm sorry, Mr. Koenig, <laughs> but
1: yeah, we're gonna have to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, and and again, I want to thank him for his uh, for his hospitality, for his I guess his patience. And I promise not to ever put him through that again. Well,
2: it wasn't. It was actually, and it was one specific thing. It was about the actual accent.
1: Yeah, I I still get the feeling that's sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. But uh, regardless, regardless, I I wouldn't trade that for anything.
2: uh, It was an it was an awesome moment. Uh, It was a great moment for us. It was a great moment for the show. Mm -hmm. And And a great moment for you, listener.
1: Yeah, unless, of course, again, if you're just joining us, then too bad. (laughs) You're just going to have to listen to it again later. But, uh, yeah, he had some great things to say about nobility. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And now I feel kind of I feel like maybe we we should have put the actual creator of nobility on ahead of him, but uh, no, I have no regrets. No. So let's. I guess we should cut to that now because we talked to our very good old friend E. J. De La Pena.
2: We talked to him several times. Um, mm-hmm. I met him in person for the first time in WonderCon earlier in the year. Um, his energy, uh, it just it radiates off this guy, um, and I think it's the he, it, it it alone. Is the reason why he can get all these people to buy into this into this scheme that he's come up with? <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. <laughs> I think, I think just, you're right. He yeah. gets he
1: gets me very excited, I know. and this is still over a year away. So uh, you know what? You don't believe us? Just listen to this. Here we go.
0: Meanwhile,
1: all right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Uh, we have got an uh, old friend of the show, E. J. De La Pena creator and uh, creative mastermind behind the upcoming Nobility. E.J., welcome back. How have you been?
6: I've been great. Apparently I've been upgraded to creative mastermind. Uh, My next goal is to become an evil creative mastermind and take over the world.
1: Perfect. I'm I'm already writing copy for our next interview right here. Yeah. Uh, I see you tinting your fingers and laughing. Yes, exactly, laughing just like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh all right you know what i was just before uh before you called in i was just saying to marky how you are probably one of my very favorite guests because you are it is so clear when when i talk to you that you are a fan of not only what you're doing but just of the genre of the idea of of sci-fi and and just larger worlds out there uh and so it, just, it, it, it makes me just go from host to uh, just part of the audience. I love listening to you talk about it. So, so I don't even want to color what you have to say about your baby nobility. But I, that being said, uh-huh. I, I, will, I will set it up like this because uh, uh, a lot of the show is under wraps. And what we do know is that it's about a group of people on a spaceship which is a narrative starting point for many, many series. <laughs> but how, how are you guys? How are you making your mark on the series?
6: Um, well, first off, uh, wow, thank you. Um, I always have a great time talking with you guys and, and coming on the show. So, wow, uh, glad to hear it. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear. I guess my my, my nerddom is is infectious. Apparently, it's <laughs> great. It's
1: great. <laughs>
2: It's a virus, um, it really is. Yeah.
6: Yes, yes, it all goes into my master plan. <laughs> 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 um, but as far as i is concerned, the <laughs> um, best way to describe it is probably Firefly meets the office. It's, uh, what I've recently been uh, telling people is it's basically uh, the universe from Battlestar Galactica, the uh, Enterprise from Star Trek and the crew of Down Periscope with the humor of Firefly.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. So so, so that's a you, you're describing it pretty metaphorically by using a lot of other titles. Uh, but and in I mean I want to see it though because I don't that that still doesn't fill in all the cracks for me. Uh, not like say you know if if uh, if we're talking to someone I said describe the new Godzilla movie. It's a uh, big giant lizard atomic stuff. Breaks a bunch of crap. Ah, boom. And I have an idea. This obviously <laughs> sounds a little more complex than that.
6: A little bit more. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a lot of fun. We're actually in the middle of production right now. Um, and it's it's been so much fun working with all the folks that uh, you'll be interviewing and, and everything like that. Um, what details will you want to know? What, what, what interests you guys? There's, there's so much I could go into from uh, the universe and the characters and how they're, uh, how humanity has spread out across this area of the, of the Milky Way and how living on all these different, uh, planets and biospheres is starting to, to change humanity and how, you know, there, there's each one of our characters is these incredibly complex, damaged people who are put in these extraordinary circumstances and then are Forced to grow and evolve and, and deal with their own issues in order to meet the challenges that the universe uh, puts in front of them.
1: Well, we, we were yeah, on anything like The Office. <laughs> 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 They're just selling paper. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, look, off- we were
2: we have always been. As soon as we heard about this project, um, we felt that it was kind of, it was kind of a. A relief, you know, to kind of have this, this type of show coming at this particular time. And as we start to hear about who's getting cast and kind of how the, how the special effects are coming along, it's not helping to answer the questions as far as what type of show is this going to be? Is it going to be action, adventure? Is it going to be comedy? Is it going to be all these things? Is there intrigue? You know, like, what, am, what are what are we going to expect of this property that we're so looking forward to?
6: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's all of those. Uh, we have, you know, uh, as everyone will see uh, with, with the pilot we're shooting right now, it's all of it is there's tons of action, there's tons of adventure, there's tons of character drama, but there's a lot, a lot of humor. Um, and the way we work in, you know, the reason we keep saying the office is because at this point in time we're taking – the, uh, the government has decided to do a documentary of their flagship, the nobility, and we're co- always cutting away to these confessionals, just like in the office, and the way it's shot and everything like that. Um, and so you're really getting, getting to know the characters and the, and the inside, uh, or what they're thinking about and, and what's going on inside their heads, uh, while all of this action, adventure, and sci-fi spectacle is going on. Um, and so we have not only have a lot of humor and character drama, um, you know, yeah, that's it. We have a lot of character uh, character drama, humor, and uh, along with this fantastic uh, a journey story uh, that we're seeing.
1: This is uh, this. What we first talked to you about this. I want to say oh, it was almost a year ago. Uh, we talked to you and uh, Cass Anvar, James Kyson, sat down maybe late last fall. Uh, and, and you've been working steadily on it since. But just recently, you were able to, uh, to drop some new, uh, some new editions on us. And first, like Doug Jones, for instance, uh, Big Get There, but then perhaps one of the bigger fish in this sci-fi pond. And I want to go ahead and let you tell everybody, just in case they haven't been paying attention, who else you got on the show.
6: Uh, I believe who you're hinting at is uh, Walter Koenig, famous for his well as Chekhov in Star Trek and uh, Bester in Babylon 5. <laughs> huge,
1: huge, huge, <laughs> it's just, huge, huge news. The red curtains.
6: <laughs> <laughs> but the curtain pulls aside, Walter's turned on. <laughs> well,
2: and, and um, doesn't just... Is there power in, in that kind of announcement? I mean, are you instantly just kind of qualified now? I mean, d- doesn't that just kind of do it?
6: <laughs> I, I, I let others make that decision, but, uh, I can, <laughs> uh, but I can definitely say that it was such an honor bringing you on board, and it's been such an honor working with uh, someone of that stature and someone who, you know, I, I grew up, always wanting to work with, so when we, you know, finally did bring him on board, it was um, it, it was very amazing, as, as not just as a creative, but as a fan of the genre. So it, it was just, it gives me so much pleasure to be able to work with him, as well as the rest of the cast. Doug Jones, uh, we've also brought on Tori Higginson from uh, Stargate Atlantis, uh, Miracle uh, from... Uh, um, Dalhouse, who I think is going to be interviewing, interviewing in a bit, uh, in addition to, my gosh, I, I, I have a hard time remembering them all. We've been so very fortunate to be able to get such an incredible cast.
1: Uh, it is, and it's looking very robust. And I know uh, you guys are working on filming, like like right now, maybe not right this very second, but in the days ahead, you've got some more of a more of that tough filming work ahead. But uh, by the end of the month, yeah. you're coming back out to San Diego, right? You're, you're doing the Comic-Con again, all right?
6: That we are. And, in fact, uh, we just were notified yesterday that not only are we going to have a panel, which will be, uh, if I may shamelessly plug. Uh, please do. Please, uh, please do. Yes. <laughs> permission <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Permission. <laughs>
0: 7.30 uh,
6: p.m. Friday in room 5A-B. I believe that is the 25th, if I remember correctly, Friday the 25th of July. It is. um, Mm From 5 a.m., 7.30 p.m. But we're also going to have a booth in a very prominent location. I don't know the number off the top of my head. Uh, It's booth
2: 1949. I have it right in front of me. 1949. It's going to be right by the small pavilion.
6: There we go. There we go. Yes, DC Comics and Marvel. And it's a corner booth, so uh, hopefully you won't miss us
1: by the small press pavilion. That's where I'll look for you. Oh,
6: that uh, That's do you yeah, want
1: to <laughs> Do you want to Do you want to give us maybe a little just a little teaser of what you're going to reveal at the uh, at the panel at Comic-Con? I don't want to make you well, but uh, tell us. Give us. Feed us.
6: I shall feed you. Yes. Well, we have a very special treat that I'm, I'm going to leave for now, it's a little bit of a surprise on how we're going to start the panel. Um, but let's just say all our cast is very excited for it and I think that, uh, the fans will, will, uh, enjoy it incredibly. Um, and then we're going to, uh, end the, the, uh, end the panel with a, uh, teaser, um, of our first bit of Nobility. So they're actually going to, we're actually going to be premiering uh,
2: part of the show, part of the pilot, at San Diego Comic Con. Ooh, see that is huge news because you guys are at a seven thirty. You know, you are a, a evening panel. It's just around the time where everyone starts to wind down. People want to sit down in a, you know, in a nice panel, watch a little footage, watch a little TV, and then <laughs> retire and get ready for the next day. That's perfect. This is. That's a that is a great plan. I totally approve, you master evil genius.
6: <laughs> Why, well, yes, you approve, Thank you. <laughs> You're
7: like we have cookies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's always how you get them at seven thirty. Yeah, carbs and sugar. <laughs> Join
6: the dark side. We have cookies.
0: That's right, the
6: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man!
1: All right, so uh, what? What do you think of cons anyway? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you've been to a couple. You've mentioned you've been to San Diego before. Are you are you a con fan, or are you glad that you only just you just work here? Kind of attitude.
6: <laughs> I, I think it depends on the day, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, and what else was going on? But for the most part, you know, I, uh, I wasn't able to attend, you know, I, I've, my entire life, I've just been a huge sci-fi nerd and, geek and and all that stuff, uh, especially, uh, TV and video games. And, um, I was never able to go to cons as a kid. And so now as an adult going back and going to, not just going to all these cons, but doing panels and having booths and all that kind of stuff, uh, it, 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 a little bit of, a, of, a, of a, a nerd out. It's like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Wow. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs>
6: so I, I just have a, I have a lot of fun with it, and, and I love interacting with the fans, and, and a lot of them um, you know, are, are just great characters themselves, so we just have so much fun, and it, it's not unusual for me to just sit there and start nerding out with one or two of them. <laughs>
1: As a person who goes, we, we really like people at, at booths like you, Then.
6: <laughs> well, stop on by. We shall nerd out and have fun. <laughs> uh,
2: how how important is a is a convention like that for the promotion of this series? I mean, is that where it's all going to start, or is that just a, a a cog in a greater, you know, kind of plan?
6: Um, well, I am an evil mastermind, so I can't tip all of my. <laughs> <laughs> Uh it, it's a huge part of, of, of a larger plan. I mean, obviously, uh there's social media and there's there's other stuff that's going on. That all they all kind of in addition to the conventions that all kind of feeds into each other just to, uh in order to, to promote the show and generate a fan base and all that kind of stuff. Um, but for me these conventions are very important, uh, primarily because that's where we are able to give the fans uh, direct access. We're able to, you know, they're able to come, they're able to talk to me, creator of the show, they're able to talk to uh, all of our different celebrities and really become become connected to the show. And that's, uh, when I first started this, I wrote this for fans. You know, I wrote, wrote this because, and I created this because this was something I wanted to see as a fan. And so the more folks that we're able to share this with at conventions, uh, and not just impersonally through social media, um, the better, and and that's what makes me happy, and I'm able to get their input, uh, fans input, because
1: yeah, you know, yeah, two way street, if you don't have, right, a I'm, a, I'm sorry. Two way street as a, you know, as a as a content uh, creator. When you go there, uh, obviously, you know it's it's like working the other side of the bar, but. Uh, nonetheless, I'm, I'm guessing you're getting something. I mean, do you kind of, on some level, kind of like going to the cons for a, a sort of sense of approval, like the like a warm, safe nest of, of nerds that you can depend on finding at a, at a convention?
6: Uh, I remember the uh, first time I ever went to a Star Trek convention, and, and uh, I was walking down, I was walking in, and I looked around, and I just went, oh, yes, my people. Yep. (laughs) So I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely an element of that. I also, you know, as as you know, a creative, as not just a writer, but um, you know, I started out in the industry as as a professional actor as a child. And there's there's always you know anybody who who, who's an actor, uh, especially you know at a professional level, there's always an element of look at me, you know, approve me, (laughs) like me. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's definitely a bit of that going the cons for me, but uh, you know, we just we have a lot of fun and, and just interacting with the fans and and um, going around and seeing everything else that's there and telling people about this project, which has been such a big part of my life uh, for the past couple of years.
1: Well, you know, that's it's kind of the beauty of the con too, and uh, and, and I hope you you get to enjoy it on this level, but. When you go, you are a rock star, and and it is your Mm. (laughs) whiskey-a-go-go. And you know what? I promise this year I am throwing my panties up on stage at (laughs) EJ. You earned it. You Ah, earned it with your fandom and your creative mastermindedness.
6: So not now, okay, at, at San Diego Comic-Con, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to yell out, where's my panties? I
1: want my panties. <laughs> oh, you know what? I actually might not do that if I were you. Hopefully there's going to be some sort of security presence.
2: Look, look, buddy, this is not a Starbucks. Okay? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Aww. Oh, but I like I said, that's 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 why I love talking to EJ. You're obviously a fan first, and for some reason now you've gone on to create an entire other universe that you're that you're inviting us into with uh with nobility. You're putting a lot of work, a lot of effort, and I'm guessing a whole lot of your sanity into it. And I thank you for that, sir. Uh,
6: you're welcome. But uh, I I do have to ask,
1: what sanity? <laughs> Whatever left, apparently.
2: You are at least a little bit crazy. To think that you could get Adrian Wilkinson and Michael Laurie and Walter Koenig, and you can just put them in your show—that's just maddening to me. That you have the cojones to think that you could pull this off, sir. I mean, that's just—that's guts that I've, I I do not have. There is a there is a slight bit of madness um, for you to ha- and and a little bit of courage to kind of project that's ambitious uh, that really answers the question of, you know, where is good sci-fi? Um, if you look around on the network television series now, other than Fallen Eyes, can you think of a good, prominent, you know, sci-fi show? I mean, it's very, very, it's very hard to find nowadays. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, hey, man, I, I, good work.
6: Well, thank you uh yeah i mean wow, uh thanks yeah i mean there's there's definitely a bit of of uh, you know fantasy fulfillment and, and and ambition going into this project, um but I've always been one to feel that if you have a dream, you might as well pursue it, you might as well go for it, you only live once, and you know going to you know Walter Koenig and you know adrian wilkinson and and all all the rest of our cast and Uh, Asking them to be a part of it, Uh, the worst they're going to say is no. So you might as well Mm -hmm. try. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm sorry, you had a question right after that, and uh, one more.
2: (laughs) Well, it was just—it was basically trying to answer that your your show and this project is kind of answering our need and want for quality science fiction television. You know, it's we, we there is a void. And we've been kind of scraping and like looking around, um, and here you come, a- trucking along, like, with this motley crew of sci-fi greats, and you're just going to
1: give it to us. Yep. Yeah. And once it's out there, we are going to judge the <laughs> shit out of it
6: on the internet, buddy. Brace yourself. As found as, as you said, because I would be doing the same thing to any other show.
0: Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, uh.
6: Oh, that was
0: awesome! I'm gonna judge
2: the shit out of it. Oh, that's, I think that's the greatest place to end an interview as ever. Judge the shit out of
1: it. That's... Yeah, I just want you, I just to know that. Yeah. So yeah, in, enjoy the last, uh, the last San Diego Comic Con before it comes out,
0: because then, then
1: the fans are gunning for you. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, EJ. Uh I always love when you call us up and we get to nerd out with you. Yeah, and we'll
2: and we will see you in San Diego. Uh we'll grab a drink or something, okay? Hey, sounds good, man.
6: I'm looking forward to it.
1: It's the Hot Stuff Sweepstakes, where a 1,000 kids can win a video recorder, compact stereo, recorder phone, miniature color TV, or home computer. Inside specially
7: marked boxes of instant Quaker oatmeal are 10 chances to win. If a packet says you
1: win, you can choose one of these prizes. Or to enter free, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Hot Stuff, Box 1095, Libertyville, Illinois, 60198. One in 25,000 will win. All right. So once again that was EJ De La Pena, creative mastermind of nobility. <laughs> Man, I love geeking out with that guy.
2: Yeah, he's uh he's one of us and uh, you know, he's always welcome. No. Yeah. yeah.
1: I hope we get to talk to him many, many more times. Yeah. Uh before he's finally so big he's just blowing us off.
2: No that won't happen.
1: This guy's I don't know.
2: He's I well don't know. grounded. He's really, he, he needs us. I mean he... I don't mean us, the show, and as a promoting unit. He needs the geekdom. You know, he needs the community.
1: Yeah, well, Gene Roddenberry won't return my phone calls. (laughs) Isn't he dead? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Or I have the wrong number. I don't know. Sorry, Gene. Yeah. Uh, no, that was that was awesome, and I think we did learn a lot from him. We learned exactly what he wanted us to know, of course, because he's he's doing he's been he's been the public face of this project now since it since it first started. I actually it actually occurred to me
2: why even even though I'm I am probably in the one percentile of people that know about this show as well as I as even I do. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm still floating around I have a lot of questions what's it going to be and I think by them saying that it's firefly meets the office I think that throws me off a little bit cuz mm. cuz even if you go back to our first sh- or the first show that we did uh, he uh, he and I kind of talked about how it was um you know is it just about guys doing normal everyday stuff on a ship cuz that's kind of what the office was yeah. you know they're they're throwing christmas parties and things like that Mm -hmm. and he said no okay so now that kind of threw me what it is really it's firefly meets like the real world or firefly meets big brother where you have a confessional yeah that's 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 the that's
1: all of the office is that yeah it seems like he's he he said screw it we're gonna let him break the fourth wall sometimes and just speak directly to the camera um, which if it's done right is great, like in the office. And when it's done lazy, it's just its basically standard. bad storytelling. But where I think that that will be, and this is my prediction,
2: this is without insight information whatsoever, strict prediction, is that I think that that will be a major source of the comedy element because you are going to have guys acting like if the cameras are on them, and then acting like they don't think the camera's on them. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be kind of trying to make a face for the public and then make a face for the other characters on the ship. Oh. So, you know, that's where I think, is, that's, that's where the comedy, I predict, is going to be found on this. Well, um, and if will I'm tell. right,
1: time will tell. EJ and I are both geniuses. <laughs> that's a, that's funny. Yeah, that's a, that's the winning formula there. I just hope he figured it out as well as you did. I don't know, but this this is this is well. He's a, and he's he's definitely the person to ask because this is his baby. And, and but he's not going to tell us from what he told us. We obviously he wants to keep us waiting for more. Yeah. In uh, he's going to give us a little bit more uh, Comic Con this month. But he's not the only one out there doing promotions and has been from the beginning. Keep in mind. We uh, we talked to Cass Anvar as well last year. He's been with the project very early on. He uh, he's not just the star now. He's also a producer, and he's going around. He just uh, as we speak, I think is doing Fantasy Con, mm-hmm. the inaugural. They're, they actually just Utah, started uh, Salt Lake City Con. They're actually
2: doing their panel right now as we speak, as we we're recording this. They're yeah. actually doing their
1: panel. Yeah. So again, if you're just joining us, you missed that too. <laughs> that was yesterday. I, I don't know why you can't get on board with this. But that's, uh, I mean, thats that says a lot. And you know what? We talked to Cass Anvar again, didn't we?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it we,
1: wasn't just it wasn't just him. It wasn't just him. Thanks to, and Cass, uh, we had the same kind of scheduling problem with Cass last year. Yep. Where we ended up doing his interview with James Kyson Tyson. at the exact same time. And we've got uh, the exact same situation this year where it, he couldn't call in right on time. Busy, busy guy, and I understand mm-hmm. that. Uh, but he did call in while we were talking to the lovely Miss Miracle Lori, and it was—I don't mean to brag—but we kind of introduced the two of them. Kind of, kind of played matchmaker there. So
2: we're uh, a so, little, a little bit of television history on this one.
1: That's right. Keep listen to this interview and see if you can hear when the landscape of the future of television changes.
2: So, everybody listening, this is Miracle Lori. She's from, convention, from comic conventions across the world. Uh, yeah, you guys know her from Dollhouse. And she's here because it's been recently announced that she is in the upcoming series, Nobility. So, uh, yeah, how is that going?
8: Yay! Uh, I'm super duper new. I'm one of the new kids on the block. Like literally, I think a few days ago, we've finalized everything and found out who I was going to be playing and when we're shooting and all that. So I'm super new. I've, um, I read the first season, obviously. And, um, I have to tell you when I, I'm sure you guys have been on the website or there's a link or whatever for Nobility of the series, but, um, you know, seeing the cast that they have is, totally exciting for me. And actually, um, Doug Jones, who everyone, you know, loves more than anything in the world. I've, uh, you know, uh, done a thousand conventions with the guy and I, and he's just one of the sweetest men ever and super talented. And so seeing him was fun. And when I read, uh, the first season, every time his character came in, I was like, Oh my God, Doug is going to crush this. Like I I, may have been written for him. I don't know. Um, I'm sure it was, I'm sure somewhere in the universe, you know, in the back of his EJ's mind, uh, you know that's what he was planning and then also uh james tyson who plays uh navigator bob takashima he and i oh excuse me i'm outside there's a helicopter um they're after me <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: yeah,
8: yeah. he and i uh actually auditioned for a pilot together a couple years ago and we our characters um I uh, I played a lesbian, and he was kind of this nerd, and we've been friends forever. And so, like, the characters were written really well together and just best friends. And our chemistry was awesome, and he was really, really, really funny and sweet. And obviously I was a fan of his from Heroes, and so that was fun. Uh, he didn't book it, um, and it didn't really go anywhere. But it's just exciting, you know, among everybody else that's in the cast. So it's just nice. And Adrian is actually Adrian Wilkinson, um, who we all know from Zena among other things. You know, she's the one that kind of brought me into the fold, and I'm super grateful to her. And she's just a doll. And met her at a convention too. I mean, it's a really small well, I was gonna world. Ask if it Once was you James, get in, <laughs> if it was who?
1: If it if it was James who had then got you in, because I know we talked to no. him uh, almost a year ago when he was one of the first ones attached to it. So I was wondering, oh, maybe if he's already pulling strings before real, real shooting.
2: He begins. probably
8: honestly doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> we just <laughs> had well, one audition you know, together, uh, and I.
2: <laughs> Doug, Doug, uh, I have. We have talked to Doug. We interviewed him last year, Doug Jones, and then uh-huh. we just interviewed him for our Matty P's uh, Radio Happy Hour, um, that was like a week ago. He's been Mm -hmm. on our shows at least twice, and then I met him at WonderCon earlier in the year, like in person, and I believe two, two out of those three times that I've either talked to him or have been around him, he has brought up your name. So he's a big fan of you.
8: You're kidding me. In no, what world know. did that even happen? <laughs> yeah,
2: I don't like he just, I don't know why. I'm, I'm not, I don't remember what the context was, but I just remember him bringing you up because whenever I hear your name, of course I think, you know, I interviewed her last year or whatever. So All right. you know, as soon as I hear Miracle Lori, it, it just, it's a, it's a bug in my ear. And, Aww, yeah, you should see
1: him. So he gets his faraway, dreamy look. I am very good. Yes, I have, <laughs> Yes, I am. And as far as I can tell, so does Doug Jones.
8: Exactly. <That>? exactly. <laughs> yeah, feelings mutual. Um, he is adorable. That's really sweet to know. He's such a doll. He's such a doll. No, it was Adrian who actually um, hooked me up with EJ. And uh, I just, you know, I read the script and I thought, this is so good. I just thought, I totally get what they're doing. You know, I get the sense of humor, I get the adventure that they're doing, you know, it's Firefly meets The Office, the fact that there's a confessional is hysterical to me, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. no one has done this before, I think this is genius, and it totally works with all the characters, and every one of the characters in the show, and and on the ship, and everyone involved, like, we're all so different that it's just going to make for really interesting stuff, and and I just think it's I think it's really ambitious and really fun and brave, and, and, you know, if you go to the website, the little promo that they have, which is no people, it's just, you know, a little teaser, um, you know, a lot of times you can be excited about a project or believe in a project, but if the people on the other end of the camera and in post have no idea what they're doing, it doesn't matter, you know, you can be excited, you can act your butt off, you can have dreams and high hopes but if they don't know what they're doing or don't have any kind of budget at all or don't make it work you know it's embarrassing or sad or disappointing and so I just feel I mean if you look at the the crew that's on the website too you know we know that we're in really really good hands so I'm just really thrilled I think this is going to be a really high quality project and between the actors and the crew and the vision and everyone's really positive attitude I am super duper thrilled to be involved.
1: Yeah, we've been uh, we've been talking to uh, to some of the other cast and EJ, of course, about this all day today, trying to you know pry a little more out of them about what exactly it is, and most specifically, is it more action, more humor, more human, more alien? Yeah. Uh, and so far, you are you are towing the company line there. Well done. This is the impression wow. we're getting. The humor is up front, but it's not slapsticky. Uh right. and. And actually, I want to point out, uh, I can't recall the name of the show off the top of my head, but a few years ago, I think it was ABC, did try something like this. Uh, Some Ron Livingston show canceled well before the end of the first season, I think, because it was about a a group of people on a spaceship like to Mars, and they were filming a TV documentary about it.
8: I don't remember that at all.
1: Believe me, most people don't. (laughs) <laughs> but I, for yeah. some reason, I can't scrub the few episodes out of my mind. Probably, "Define yeah. Gravity" is what. It that was, was it. Yeah, yeah, define yeah. Gravity. That's yeah, yeah. it. Just a schlocky, wow. hammy, cheesy. I'm glad it got canceled because it was stuck, stuck me in, and I didn't like it much. So well, I'm glad you know to hear you know this because is going to be different.
8: The, I think the key is, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but. Um, with EJ, and obviously it's his vision that he is a fan first, but also happens to know what he's doing and knows that you have to bring in a cast and a crew that know what they're doing and have training and experience. And it comes from a place of love and total, total immersion and understanding. You get a bunch of, like, you know, improvers and TV writers and stuff, and no offense to whoever, you know, put that show together, and they're all very, you know, Ron Edison is a buddy of a buddy, and he's very, very funny. So, you know, no offense to anybody, but I think... For something like this that that will kind of automatically have some kind of fandom because there's curiosity and respect and you know love for this type of. you have to come at it from the right place it can't just be like oh this is trendy let's do this (laughs) you know I just think I think most projects that come from love and respect and appreciation first usually hopefully um, you know tend to have a longer shelf life so hopefully that will be the case for us
1: yeah yeah and because it it comes from you know, I've said it a bunch of times today, but there's a, a like a sci- sci-fi trope that you have a bunch of people on a spaceship, and then you go from there. And I can't even right. count the number of shows and premises that started that way, and most of them ended up being good, but they're all different from each other. You can tell right. the difference between the tone of Star Trek versus Firefly versus Babylon 5 versus right. so on and so forth. There's plenty of room if you do that right. And if you do it wrong, you gotta you gotta define gravity on your hands. And
2: you're not gonna make it to yeah, the end of the network.
8: They're like, we're just trying to make a show, man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> everybody calm down. Yeah, yeah.
8: Well, yeah we, everybody calm down.
2: Well, we were talking to EJ earlier and uh we had you know, I was basically trying to say, Hey, you're very, very, very brave or crazy to think right. that you can pull to, yeah, to to think that you could pull an Adrian Wilkinson, a Doug Jones, uh, Walter Koenig, um, and right. you oh hello, and, and, and you can <laughs> exactly. yeah, and you can and you can pull these people into a science fiction show and try to and try to feed it to us.
1: Like if you like say been, this is a new flavor you've yeah. never tried, I promise.
2: Right. You, you know, right. you're going to try to give me this flavor of ice cream or whatever, you are really risky because we're going to, I mean, no group in the world is more critical of itself than this community right here. Yes. We that's will try you. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, despite being all-inclusive, we are kind of harsh on each other. Oh, yes. Uh, so, no, I think
8: it's good that the community is critical because that's what makes, that's what makes, the when you have a group of fans or a person or a community that really does support you, you know that it means something. That are just like, oh my god, you're doing this, and it's kind of like this, and you kind of look like somebody, so I like you. You know, it's very serious. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's you've yeah. earned it. You know that you know that if people are telling you you do good work, you're a good actor, you're in a good project, I love this story, I love the characters, I love the adventure, thank you for doing this, thank you for telling this story. You know, they mean it. It's, they don't, those compliments don't come easily. And so I think it makes it even more special for the rest of us on, on this end, you know. Yeah, there's,
1: there, there's a there's a bad trend, uh, I think, in, you know, with the proliferation of the Internet, YouTube comment sections, there's a bad trend to use superlatives when you're being negative, but you really have to earn that that good superlative you yeah know, no one yeah. just throws that around underneath the kitten videos yeah
8: right <laughs> it's got to be a really talented kittens to get those good yeah. comments well
2: we we were we were touching on it a little bit earlier but you know when it comes to being at you know at in the Mecca of our world is at these conventions um, most specifically at the San Diego uh, con but you know you could find it anywhere um, What's it like when somebody kind of comes up to you um, and, you know, they obviously know you from – it's probably Dollhouse. We're all big fans of that show. Um, but, you know, what's, what's that whole process like? And we, we've been kind of asking everybody the same question today. Um, how, do, how do we come up to you if we're a fan? What's the best way to approach
6: you? Uh,
8: just do it don't <laughs> punch me in the face or anything yeah yeah try not try not to to touch in a in a naughty or evil way um <laughs> usually usually just hi my name is so and so i don't know everyone knows what they're doing i would just say don't be shy because yeah. guess what actors are insanely insecure shocker um so if you want to come up and be like i really like you'll we'll be like okay thanks you know, oh, really?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, know? Well, you know i mean we did, well you know there's a there's a lot of like comic con like lists you know uh you know what to bring what to pack you know what panels to see what toys to buy all this stuff and but nobody ever really covers it from your perspective you know what's the best way yeah. to come and like approach you so I'm, i was here thinking like that would be an interesting thing, you know what's the best way because a lot of us are just yeah, we are you know the reason a lot of the reason why we're in this kind of realm is because we're kind of the wallflower, you know we're kind of the right we're the we're the guy at the end of the of the party, we're kind of intellectual, we're kind of introverted, and we kind of don't know, and you know. Miracle Lori's in front of me and all those beautiful blue eyes. Oh, my gosh, you know, what can I oh, go boy. up there? Right, you know, we're, <laughs> we're nervous. We're nervous. So, you know, just give uh, us something to say. What can we say to Miracle to, to just kind of break the wall down?
8: Um, Remember, we don't want to find out want... you're
1: just a normal person. No.
8: <laughs> I know. We have to be extraordinary. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people say there are three flowers in a vase. They'll just come up and say that and see if I, like, get ninja on them, which I think is funny. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: uh,
8: you know, uh, well, I would have okay, thought I'll tell I you was t-
1: clever if I had done that. Oh, well. No, no, it's good. It's okay. Go no, ahead.
8: it is. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's, I, the thing The thing for me, I'll just take it. I'll just tell you my perspective as a fan of other actors and, and artists and stuff. I something happens to me, I'll just tell you a quick story. Um I was doing a convention in New York, and I'm a huge fan of the Monkees, specifically Davy Jones, may he rest in peace, but Mickey Dolenz was there, and they're all super talented. He's crazy talented. And I said to the consumer, I was like, I'm a huge fan. Like, I thought I was going to marry Davy Jones when I was a kid because I didn't know they were reruns. I thought this was all happening in real time. <laughs> and I thought they were all young and beautiful. And, and I just thought they were the best thing ever. And I thought I'd just love to meet him. If, if we can make that happen, that would be great. I'd be super appreciative. They're like, okay. Like a day and a half goes by. And then all of a sudden I have a line. And they're like, he's free. If you want to come, you have to do it now. I was like, Sure. So I go over he was as kind as could be, like he grew up where I live now, so we had things to talk about and I said, Do you mind if we take a picture? He's like, Oh sure, of course and so he took a picture of me. I look totally ridiculous, just like you're in the headlights, stupid smile on my face and he goes, Okay, well I'll let you get back and I gotta get back and I was like, Great So I walk away, you guys, I literally turn around and just start bawling. <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> it didn't feel like I was gonna cry. It totally took me off guard and I was just sobbing like all the I don't know I can't even tell you what happened it was like all this pent-up energy or just like loving the, the the monkeys for 25 years and finally meeting one of them was just something happened and clicked. meanwhile I have like a whole line of fans waiting for me and I was like just give me a minute guys like I dug under my table I pull myself together I put my makeup back on and I pop up like nothing happened it was hilarious so well, you know what you know I, what's I think like...
2: <laughs> I think I just found what your tip is. I think I, I, okay, and that is don't let that opportunity go. If you see your, if you see the, the character that you loved in a show, movie, whatever, and they're in front of you, if they're at the autograph table or if they're just in front of you, take the chance, say something, make a noise. And right. make a, make a connection, no matter how brief or ridiculous it might end up being, because you want to be on the Miracle Lori side of the story and not the guy <laughs> that said, "Oh, I saw him once and I didn't say anything," and That's, I
8: didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, the, I would completely uh, the, the agree few with that because of tears you don't... are
1: worth the regret. Right. Exactly. Oh
8: yeah yeah no and that, and that's what I was about to say you don't you don't want to not say anything because who knows when you'll see those people again you know you're giving you you paid all this money a lot of people fly a long way to go to comic con to go to whatever you know at Baltimore pick a place in London I, you know I've done these all over the place, they happen all the time, but for some people, like this is their everything this is their vacation, so they save up the big deal if you happen to go and your favorite star is like a surprise guest, you wait in that two hour line and you go save something because- because I
1: agree.
8: this might be yeah. your only shot,
1: yeah, not going that extra five feet after that far, right. my, really my
8: yeah, <laughs> well, and my wish is that every actor and artist, and you know whoever you're a fan of, I just hope that they are kind and appreciative of you coming up to them because that means a lot, too. So it means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to uh, some other people. And I know I've heard, you know, bad, you hear bad stories, too, and maybe they had a bad day. Who knows what's going on? So I just, I, you know, uh, we're appreciative, too. And, and the fact that you are going to wait in line and say, I can't afford to to, you know, you know, pay for a picture signed by you because I spent all my money on, you know, pick, pick somebody. Um, I don't care. You know, I'm there to meet the fans, too. I'm there for the experience. So if you want to come up and tell me that, you know, this scene meant this or the fact that I'm, you know, a normal-sized person made you feel better about yourself, like, I win, too. You know, it's a win-win for us as well. And it's a beautiful thing. Mutual admiration is a very, very lovely experience to have in life when there are so many haters out there in the world. So I say...
2: Just go balls out. Excuse me. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, no balls
8: just out. Go good. For it. <laughs> well, and you know, you know, you
2: were you were if if you're such a fan of Davy Jones, you are self-professed now. You are a fan of Davy Jones. Um, yeah. Walter Koenig is was famously brought on to Star Trek in the '60s because he was the Davy Jones of the Enterprise. Were you aware of that history, <laughs> and did you did you bring that up to him?
8: I don't think anyone uh, put those two things together for me. I could totally see um, it. I could totally yeah, see yeah, it.
2: <laughs> yeah, you should. Um, if you uh, check out the uh, pictures of him from the season two of Star Trek, and they actually put a mop-top wig on him and his oh my smile. God. It's You've got to see this. Um,
8: oh, my it, God,
2: I will. You could see. Yeah, they they wanted to bring him in because he was, they wanted a Davy Jones-type person. And they took that a hilarious. lot of steps. To, to, to make him into that. So you definitely got to go up to him. By the way, in case you guys are just joining us, Walter Koenig is going to be in the series uh, Nobility along with Miracle Laurie. Um, this has kind of just been announced recently, and they're going to start shooting it here in the next couple of days.
1: Yep. You know who else yep. is going to be in the series? but major role, uh, Mr. Cass Anvar, our friend from the Great White North. Have you met him yet, Miracle?
8: Uh, only via email, and he is a very, very uh, sweet and excited dude and also a producer on the show, too. So he's been, he's been wonderful so far.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I think he's actually on the line listening. Okay. So you passed that test <laughs> very well. It's actually going to that, bring yeah, him out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to bring him out here so okay. he can laugh at you. Hey, Cass, is that you?
7: I'm I'm here. I'm I'm having
1: one of those nightmare
7: moments where you're kind of screaming and shouting and no one's hearing you as you try to, uh, <laughs> to like, walk, walk through molasses. And I'm like talking about me. I felt like Ebenezer Scrooge in one of the uh, in one of the flashbacks where no one could hear him. Yeah, so it was a very
1: oh, common. We start all our interviews that way, just to get it into <laughs> yeah. your skin. Well, just,
7: you just make it your worst gum.
8: nightmare and then talk about fun stuff. <laughs> is yeah, that okay. miracle?
7: Are, is that miracle online? That's her? It, it is sure me. Is. Hi,
8: Cass.
7: Howdy, girl. How are you?
8: Good. Nice to talk to you finally.
7: Nice to find. This is the first time we've ever spoken, guys. Sorry, you can, you can excuse us for that. No, absolutely. History. We wanted to facilitate this. Is history, oh. <laughs> this is nobility history, you guys. This is nobility history.
2: Well, we were actually talking about how Cass seems to be not only the captain of the on-screen crew. Or close to it. No, you're, yeah, and then, but you're you're you are taking the steps to be the kind of the captain of the crew as far as promotion and getting everybody together. You've been attached to this for a very long time, cast. So, yeah, how's that been? I mean, that's a, how's it going?
7: It's an interesting. It's an interesting observation. Um, I've, I've got a lot of experience uh, producing from my past. I, I grew up in Montreal, Canada, where I, I used to produce a, a very large scale Shakespeare festival. And so when I came on board with Nobility, I kind of left that all behind when I came down to Los Angeles to pursue my acting dream. And since I got here, that's what I've been doing. But then a year ago when E.J. approached me with Nobility with uh, the role of Captain Cern, who is basically, you know, the captain, our version of the Captain Kirk of this show, uh, I was extremely excited. The premise uh, of the show, the, the concept, E.J.'s passion for the show, his vision for the universe that he created, Everything totally just uh, charmed me and seduced me. And the the show itself being a very unique kind of blend of all things that I love in sci-fi, namely dramatic, good, layered stories with a lot of humor. Uh, And he's actually done something to this show that, in terms of how he's going to have humor uh, integrated into it, uh, that is completely unique. I don't think it's ever really been done in this way in a sci-fi show, so I'm really excited about that. So all of that hooked me. And then we went on the, on the roller coaster with it. And as, as things went on, uh, I guess other people started to feel the same attraction for it. And we started getting, you know, and I was using my connections because I, I toured the Comic-Con world as well. And when you tour that circuit, you start to see all of the, the same people, uh, you know, the, the Kevin Sorbo's and the Claudia Christian's and the Lou Luther- They're They're at all these Comic-Cons. And um, so you start to make friends with these people. And so I was using that influence to introduce the, um, the show to those people, and we started to build a really amazing cast. And then as the cast grew, the momentum and the excitement and the, the, just the energy of the show started to grow, and it started to take on a life of its own. And EJ, who had not expected it to kind of go at this pace, could tell needed, needed some support, and so I stepped in to to help out he's still the he's still the admiral on the ship i'm the captain and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm very happy to help him out because I've invested a lot uh, of blood, sweat, and tears and energy into the show, and I believe you know one hundred and fifty percent in it. I really love the project and I love the team that he's got behind it, uh, so I'm really wanting it to be successful so uh, that's why I threw my hat into the ring as a producer and kind of took it out of mothballs.
2: Well, it's it's definitely a it's a who's who of the sci-fi genre. Uh, you got people from Star Wars, Star Trek, Heroes, uh, Dollhouse, from, yeah, Doll from, from, <laughs> from the Oh universe, my is god. From the Weedonverse, yeah, it's like all here. That,
7: that's your get right there. popular character on the dollhouse, that's awesome. You guys, I'm mm-hmm. actually
8: going to pass the baton because I have to run. Yes, thank yes, you guys, thank I you had so a ball. I was so to good to talk to you again. Cass, hello. Captain, my captain. They take very yes. good care of yes. us. Many of you wonderful. Yes, my, so you guys enjoy my, your interview.
1: My dear Eugene, I look forward to seeing you. You know, I think I am uh, I am going to turn around and ball like a baby. I just <laughs> talked to a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she is
7: cool, <laughs> Yeah.
2: Well, I was. Just, um, you had. I don't know if, uh, how much of that interview that you heard so far, Cass. But I, I heard in
7: when she was she was talking also. about how gracious she was with her fans.
2: So everybody, Cass Abnar is here. Um, yep. Captain
1: Cern and producer
2: and producer.
1: Uh, he. You guys have seen this.
2: He's been in everything. He's been. Um, I actually just saw you. Um, I'm sitting on the couch. Uh, me and the Mrs. I, I, I don't remember watching the uh, opening credits, so I didn't, I didn't know this. But as the show's going on, there you are in Joe Castle, just out of nowhere. <laughs> so
7: There I yeah, am. You're,
2: you're working in kind of with, everything.
7: Working with, working with my two Canadian buddies, Nathan Fillion and Stan Academy. Did you, you know right that whole the show world. is led I by Canadians?
2: Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. But I, It
1: seems so normal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but uh, I, I just think it was, um, you know, it's just, it's great to see you out there. It's great to see um, good actors on good shows. And it's good to see good shows surviving. I don't think that uh, a lot of times the shows just don't, or they're not given the, the opportunity to develop and to come on their own, and so yeah, uh, I, think uh, just, I think they're
7: in their I think they're in their eighth season now, aren't
2: they? I don't know if it's eight, but it's 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 at least five, and which is unheard of nowadays. You know, yeah. I mean, it's
7: it, uh, Stana just won the People's Choice Award for best female actress, and I think the show won the People's Choice Award for best drama. And just yeah, I, now, I, love, I love Nathan, and they're so gracious. I mean, they were so sweet. Like, I've never been welcomed and greeted on a set before, uh, before, like, like they did. Like, they just welcomed me in like I was their long-lost brother. You know what Nathan said to me when I was on set? Because, um, like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, I'm a huge science fiction fan and a comic book collector. And, um, I'd heard about Firefly for God knows how many years, uh, before I watched it. I only watched it about a year and a half ago. And then I watched it in a marathon, and I was I just devoured it. And I got on set, and I was like, How does how does it feel? And he goes, He says, you know what, Firefly was likely the best experience I have ever had. In uh, that role, I loved it. And he says, and he says, I can't believe the fan following we still have 13 years later. And I said, I heard something about. Um, Firefly being reborn, or a f- new series, or a feature being talked about, and his eyes went wide. He goes, "Really, really?" <laughs> so it's, it, he would, he would do Firefly in a pinch. He would just <laughs> drop everything and become Mal. Like I guarantee you, he loves that role. And well, I, I live in it.
2: I, which is, which yeah. is why it made its way into his new series. You know, that's cool. why it kind of into that. Um, you're saying that he thinks it's the best thing he's ever done, the best thing I've I ever done. think he said it was now, the best experience
7: work. he's ever had. He says it's the best right, experience I, he'd yeah. ever had up to that point.
2: And it's probably mine, too. I absolutely love that show. Um, but, yeah, okay, so tell us about Nobility. Um, where is it at now? Uh, a lot changed. We did talk to you last year, as you may remember. Um, That's right.
7: No, it changed how much.
2: Yeah. So, what's what's the word? Other well, we've than already
7: started shooting. Happened. We're we're shooting the pilot. Um, we are, I'm I'm flying to uh, Salt Lake City, Utah tomorrow uh, to attend uh, a huge comic con called Fantasy Con, uh, where Nobility is uh-huh. kind of a guest of honor. There, they 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 tracked me down on the internet, invited me to attend as a signer. Uh, then I said, "Have you heard about Nobility?" And um, they're like, "Huh." I said, well, it's because you have Doug Jones and you've got Adrian Wilkinson at your con, uh, so you should just do a nobility con. And then I sent them all the links for nobility, and they flipped. They said, oh, my gosh, so they gave us a panel. Then they called my uh, EJ, and they gave him a booth. And they basically just kind of embraced nobility once they saw the materials on it because they hadn't heard of it yet because it's still a little bit under the radar right now. And... Um, so now we are going to be kind of like this this big thing at FantasyCon, and we're so excited. And meanwhile, we've already started shooting. We've shot uh, a couple of days. We've got about a week left to go to, to finish the pilot. Um, we have all of our casts in place, which is a phenomenal cast. I don't know if you've actually gone over the list with – I mean, you're going to probably hit most of them in your interview. Uh, but, you know, Walter Koenig, Doug Jones, uh Miracle Lori, Adrian Wilkinson, James Kyson, uh, myself, Ellen Dubin, Raul Trujillo. I don't know mm-hmm. if you are familiar with his uh, portfolio. The, Raul's got an amazing...
2: He's uh, from New Mexico. He is, yeah.
7: he is from New Mexico. He's a, he's a legitimate, bonafide horseman. He's got a ranch yep. and horses and this gorgeous black stallion, which he named after me. Called
0: Castro. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. Cast? <laughs>
7: yeah, it's it's this ungilded, viral, seven-foot, massive mound of muscle. He's amazing.
1: Ooh, you should send him uh, on the Comic Con circuit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That actually. is awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're actually very familiar with him too. Yeah, this uh, everything just seems to be. I don't know. I, I like it when I'm ahead of things, you know. Um, yeah. I like it when I kind of know about something first. I'm not a when you're counterculturalist. Watching it. Watching it tr- yeah. Exactly. I'm not a counterculturalist where once something becomes popular, I, I drop off. When something that right. I liked early becomes popular, I'm more aggressive. I'm more interested. Yeah. I have an feel, ownership of it. You, exactly.
7: You feel vindicated. You feel like you know you, I had your right. instincts. We're right, yeah, exactly.
1: But I'm then like again, too, you've I'm had saying. me waiting since last fall. I know, we're waiting for more. And now we're talking again, and I'm guessing it's another year at least. And it's, as a fan, I like to be told about that top six well, months away. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me tell you,
7: let me, let, me, let, me, let me give you something to chew on then. We are mm-hmm. shooting, um, we're finishing this pilot, and we will have something to show at Comic-Con in San Diego.
1: Well, that's awesome. That cinches it. I'm which going. Is,
7: which is which is July 25th. We have uh, that's another thing. Actually, I didn't tell you. We uh, I'm going to be at Comic Con all four days signing autographs in the
1: in the uh,
7: celebrity autograph room. Um, but mobility just from the the sheer merits of the project because we were a little bit late submitting, but we got a panel, which is happening on Friday, at I think 7:30, uh, and. A vast majority of our celebrities are going to be there. It's going to be a big panel. It's a big surprise. Uh, the panel is going to be done in a format I don't think has ever been done, the Comic-Con. And, I've seen it uh, all, Pat.
2: Come on, tell me. Have what you? is it?
7: Yeah, have I've you? seen it
2: all. I've been, this is like my 14th have you, Comic-Con. So. Have, you
7: seen, have you seen an in-character
1: panel?
2: wow well, okay i have not seen that
1: <laughs> okay. i was thinking lasers in so, a smoke machine wow yeah, i like that better just, so, let's just say let's just
7: say you guys are going to get to meet the cast of nobility you're going to get to meet wow. the crew of nobility
0: I love and you're going get
7: to see, you're going to get to see something uh from the pilot that nobody has ever seen before not even probably the cast because uh they're going to be working we into the night to to finish the the <laughs> post production on, on that All right. on so that teaser.
2: For everyone listening right now, um it's on Friday, Friday night. Friday night is <laughs> 25th at 7:30 and this is, you know, Friday night is party night. Friday night Heyo. is this is this is the night where people come out and geeks can party. I'm telling you. Hey ho. Right? We go crazy. Uh-huh. So we yeah. can start off our minutes right now with this incredible panel. It's at 7:30. Um, I think it's room yep. 5AB. I'm looking it up now, uh, but yeah, this sounds. It's all this on this my. It's
7: fantastic. all on my website. Um, you can find the, the information for this uh, panel on my website at cassanvar.com at the Gamer Portal. I have all my Comic Con information listed there, and the details of this panel is there.
2: That's just huge. Um, I have it in front of me right now. Nobility is a corner booth at number 1949.
1: Yeah, we looked it's, that up on the map. That is right that's by the booth. DC that is, that's and the booth. Marvel. Yeah. The booth is in a great that's, spot. Right. It's it's going to be right yeah, no,
2: by Marvel and DC
1: Comics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, That's
2: the booth. That's and then, not the panel.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah. That's, that's the panel. And then the, no, that's the booth. I'm sorry, that's the, the booth. That's, and then the panel is going to be Friday, July, 25th. Posters. Uh, Posters, um, I got one at WonderCon. They're really awesome-looking little posters. Um, July 25th at 730 in room 5AB. Get this, guys. You're going to actually not just meet the actors. They're kind of boring. You're going to meet the characters from from Nobility. Uh, (laughs) And if if that includes Doug Jones, I'm assuming some mask or makeup is going to be involved. But we'll see. (laughs) see. Yeah.
7: Yeah. yeah. It's
2: a safe bet. All shall
7: be revealed. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that is just that is that is so excellent. Um, uh, let's uh, talk about cons uh, yes, the a little posters,
7: bit. The posters, the posters this year are great because we've got all our actors' names on it. So when you get autographs, you'll have all the actors' names to put the autographs aside.
1: So it's really cool. Oh, I'm definitely picking up one of those. And maybe one for my friend eBay, too. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know. You are uh, the quintessential uh, businessman. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I'm a fan first, and I feed myself second. There you go. But uh, the uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you do the con circuit. You spend plenty of time there. You got to plunk down behind the card table and sign autographs all yep. day. Uh, yep. Do you have advice for all the people standing in line, or the people maybe who are kind of shy and afraid to stand in your line about how? To approach you correctly what is well from first your of all of first of
7: all um we we get bored as heck if we don't get to interact with our fans uh i think from my experience the vast majority of us uh i can't speak for everyone but the vast majority of the people that i talk to and are and friends with they love interacting with the fans And it's the reason we're doing this. I mean, uh, the comic con circuit would be brutal. It'd be grueling if there was not some sort of emotional payback and uh, meeting the fans, greeting the fans, hearing them say all the crazy stuff that's in their head. Like I'm always amazed because the, the, my fan base um, is all game related. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people who know me from my films once they see them displayed on my table. But, the but yeah, you're
1: Altaïr from Assassin's it's Altair Creed. It's Altaïr from That's...
7: Assassin's Creed. It's Lieutenant Dalton from Halo. It's the the badass um, yeah. trader from Call of Duty Black Ops 2. And I love when these gamers of all of all ages come up to my table and start talking to me about their favorite game, about their favorite mission, about what they love about the characters. And then some of the guys who really put thought into it, and they're like, challenging. Um, the logic and the, the loopholes and and, and aside from it's a, it's an incredibly complicated game. So these guys have put tons of thought into it, and uh, the thing that they're most surprised at is that I'm a gamer. So they oh, can't no, they okay. can't stump, they can't stump me. So when they start going on <laughs> about gaming this and I'll tell you that and the, the golden apple and I'm and I'm like and I'm like well what's your favorite what's your favorite mission and they'll tell and say well you don't like uh, revelation with all the bombs because I love using the small the sulfur bomb that knocks out so many different guys and you can just walk through and claim your prize and get out of there without even raising your blade uh, and they're like oh my god this guy knows what he's talking about <laughs> and, uh, I get, well, I totally know. geek out with them they love it.
2: You know, it's, it's funny that they're so surprised, you know, like if you're, I'm, I'm a big, I, I love video games. I've always have, I had the Atari, the Nintendo, I I had them all. Um, and I'm a big Madden, you know, people are not surprised if, if RG3 is good at Madden, there's nothing odd about that. You know, they're in the locker room and they're playing. Why would people be surprised that you, like there's obviously you, it's not just about being professional, although you have a lot of that, um, you obviously bring a lot of passion to these voices that you're, that you're providing. You know, you, you obviously yeah. like this. I'm, I'm surprised that they're so, so – that, that, I'm surprised that they're so surprised that you're a gamer. That, that's all I'm trying to say.
7: Yeah. No, I, I think it's because um, you'd be surprised all the, of all the voiceover actors out there. Um, not very many of them are intimately familiar with the work that, that they're involved it's in. Right. You know, uh, there's a lot of people – there's a lot of big stars that are on Skyrim. You've got some big, big uh, names in Skyrim. Very few of them actually play the game. You know, I'm a, I'm a Skyrim addict. Like, I lost my soul to Skyrim. I will admit. Yeah, yeah.
1: My, I lost many, my, many my, hours my, myself.
7: My name, is, my name is Cass Anwar, and I play Skyrim. And I'm here. <laughs> there,
2: is a, there is a group you can join if you yeah. ever need out of that. Yeah. But you do.
1: I mean, maybe this is just me being, uh, you know, uh, uh, putting my own prejudices out there. But I assume that Kevin Spacey, doesn't play the new Call of Duty game.
2: <laughs> you know.
1: uh-huh. although True, right? on, yeah. on, but he looked but he looked
2: flippin'
7: awesome in that trailer. Holy smokes!
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it basically is him in it as like a movie capacity. I mean, it is. They have blurred that line pretty effectively now. Yeah. Um,
2: if you've and seen House of Cards, his character does yeah, his character does play video games in, um, nah, in House of he Cards. Oh, really.
1: Believably, though. Uh, he's just I know, he is just kind of doing the
2: controls. You're he's right. He's not yeah. a gamer. You, you can always spot a gamer. The bad acting
1: he does <laughs> in that entire show is when he's holding an Xbox Watch. controller. But thanks again for, uh, for talking with us today, Cass. I, I do want to apologize for kind of putting you on the spot with Miracle there, but I think it was worth it. No,
7: not a pr- that was a great little intro. I didn't know I was going to have that, uh, that little pleasure to meet her there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I was you know as we were talking to her in the back of my mind I said oh I hope ask calls and can <laughs> yeah. patch them together without knowing it um, so, so thanks for falling for that sucker
2: yeah yeah and um, yeah, we're going to see you we're mm-hmm. going to see you at uh, Comic Con we're going to be there in San Diego um, and if awesome. you're around hey, to, we'll buy you a drink come, okay come
7: hit us up at, absolutely man uh, I look forward to seeing you at the panel and uh, come prepared to have your mind blown
1: so <laughs> oh, right. looking forward to it all right, I'm going to do this. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks care, again, you Mr. Guys. Producer. Captain, back to work. You've got a show to do. Get on it. Thanks, buddy.
2: All right, As you were. were. <laughs> Those Rice Krispies sounded great until...
0: Hush! Hush! They stopped talking. Hush! Hey, put them down and snap to it. Snap? Yeah.
2: Snap! Whoa, What? And the talking part of this complete
7: breakfast turn.
0: Rice Krispies.
7: Now you can
2: surprise your pop with new action poppers. It'll drive them <laughs> up the wall. You can get one free in Rice Krispies.
1: Yeah, that was a twofer. Yeah, we've done that. That's only the second time we've done that. Yeah, both with Cass and Mark. I really, honestly, I wouldn't mind talking to him just by himself. But uh, you know, busy schedule. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least we got a little bit of it. You yeah. know, um, wow. and yeah, yeah. He's
2: he's an accomplished guy, and um, I don't know he's just he's just smooth. You know, he's smooth. Nope.
1: Yeah, nope. captain quality. Was captain good. quality. Yeah. I think, yeah, well put.
2: Well yeah, put. Yeah. He does
1: have a captain quality about him.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and and seriously, like um, I don't want to diminish the talents here, but how adorable is Miracle Lori, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. come on, she, she was just trading it. She was trading with
1: us on that a little bit, you know, like she was, it was a toe to toe battle. I liked it. Yeah. And, and she knew, and she knew just what to say too, toe in the company line. Good for her. Good for her. Uh, and yeah, and of course we facilitated the first time they spoke. Yeah. This is the first time that they've met by voice. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, so, remember, uh, when you eventually are watching Nobility, the series, and every time their characters share lines, the first one was really right here. <laughs> right here. Right on. here on Matty P. and Saturday Morning Serial, making history yet again. That's right, that's right. And uh, for those of you just kind
2: of getting used to us, uh, our second show ever was the first Nobility show. We interviewed uh, E.J. De La Pena, Cass Avner. Uh, James Kyson. James
1: Kyson, and... I
2: think that was it. That was it. Uh, okay, yeah, that right, was it. Right.
1: That was it. We tried to get the uh, composer, Charles-Henri Avlange. <laughs> Leave it to the French to even make the name Henry sound cool. Uh, we were unable to. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we still we still stole his music.
2: That's right. <laughs> uh, with permission. With <laughs> permission, yeah. yeah.
1: But it's funner to- when you steal, but yes, we, we were actually allowed to use that. And uh, we will continue to. It's already my ringtone. That's <laughs> good. It's awesome. <laughs> it
2: is very epic. You know? like it is.
1: It is a good sound.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It just it makes everything better, as we found out earlier today. Uh, if you guys want to check that out, though, um, it's, you can check out our Nobility Show. Uh, check out MattyPRadio dot uh, Click on the uh, tab that says Saturday Morning Serial, and you'll, I'm sure you can find it there. Uh, good interviews. Um, great interviews. Um, another thing that you'll see there uh, is also the Maddie P. Happy Hour uh, archives. and um, Lots
1: um, and lots of big stars there.
2: And a couple of weeks ago, uh, they actually had the opportunity to uh, interview live on the air with callers and everything, the incredible, the man behind the mask. Doug Jones.
1: That's true. And, yes. and what would a Saturday morning serial show be without a little bit of Doug Jones? <laughs> yes. let's, let's go ahead and uh, uh, throw him uh, talking about nobility. And all right. Just, just, but it's a shame not to talk to Doug Jones mm. if you have the chance. So here you go, people. Let's do it. Meanwhile, well, we've got to tell us about nobility. Before you came on, nope. we had a nice little intro. What,
7: what is nobility all about?
5: from, uh, from E.J. de la Pina? Yes.
1: He sounds like one of those. name's like one of those alien names for Falling Skies. Ej delapena.
5: Chitok il sittisutikol and Ej La Pena. In yeah. <laughs> Romancing the Stone three. Right, right. No nobility is uh, is a uh, well. It, it, it's, it might be many things. Right now, it's going to start off as a web series. I'm told, uh, but it's a web series that where all episodes are piled to back together again. It could become a pilot episode for a one hour TV series. Uh, uh, it's sort of like it's um, it's hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of like to me, it strikes me as a Star Trek meets The Office. So it's kind of got that that tongue-in-cheek humor thing and that sort of right. documentary-style um, interview clips that are you know the characters will go through occasionally throughout the story. Uh, so it has a great sense of humor about itself. Um, I play the uh, the ship's psychologist. So I'm on board on this spaceship as a as the ship's counselor, and I'm. But I'm a little bit handsy. I'm a little bit, a uh, little bit deadpan in the face. My eyes aren't, don't, aren't, don't quite register everything. It's like you, you, it's almost like you don't trust me, and you get a, a kind of a weird uncle vibe from me. Like, please don't touch me, Uncle Dougie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, so uh, which is uh, hilarious to play. You know, when you're, when you're a psychologist, you probably should make people more comfortable than what I will be doing in this show. Um, <laughs> But uh, I'm very excited too. I get to also work with uh, with some other sci-fi notables such as uh, uh, Walter Koenig from Star Trek and Babylon Five, and he's uh, he, he's hilarious. He, but he's 77 years old now, and he is sharp of wit and and sound of body. And the man is just hilarious and so much fun to hang out with. Um, and uh, uh, Adrian Wilkinson is on the show too. Uh, she was in Xena Princess Warrior. She was um, Lucy Lawless's little sister on the show.
0: Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah,
5: yeah, right. yeah. Right, and uh and our, our fearless leader, uh in uh captain on the on the ship is played by Cass Anvar. And Cass you've seen from uh, uh, oh golly um he's been in it every day. he he, he, uh, he played Dodi Fayette in the Diana story. Right? The Princess Diana. <laughs> yeah, right right right.
4: that's a, yeah,
5: that's a good credit right it. there. That's that's good credit. <laughs>
0: When the clock strikes, have found its bed, time to head.
1: Doug Jones, Mr. Doug Jones.
2: You <laughs> know, I know. Uh, I've had the chance to meet him, as you know. I uh, met him at uh, WonderCon. You can catch the audio I captured from that. Also, uh, that was part of our Falling
1: Skies uh, program that we released right. a yeah, couple we weeks ago. Yeah, we ran that a couple of weeks ago, yeah, and yeah. That, uh, that was a great experience. Yeah, um, can't get enough Doug Jones. I've said it before. I'll say it again.
2: Mac Tonight, baby. Yeah, that, that was him. I mean, it's, I remember that commercial. I remember it playing, you know, during Saturday morning cartoon. I don't know. I don't really know if that happened, but in my memory, it all kind of happened at the same
1: time. Yeah, it was all, it it was was all happy back moment. in the 80s. Yeah. And I know that was on TV. I'm sure Max headroom popped up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what, what did we learn then? Because uh, we set out today to find out more about nobility, and we talked to a lot of people about it. And they they want us to go find out more at Comic Con. Apparently, we couldn't really get the scoop, but we did find out a little bit what we they're going to do at Comic Con. Right, that was nice. Maybe they're going to be in costume, in character through the whole panel. I don't know for sure, but I kind of got that feeling. I
2: I'm pretty sure he said
1: that. Mm-hmm. Unless it was a red herring. Then, no, then I, I think, think
2: I have this kind of kind of idea. Have, have you seen the uh, film Argo? Like mm-hmm. where they put on the little table read and it's. Everybody's dressed as, like, in, like in costumes. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to do that. It's going to be something like that. I mean,
1: I've and, and they're going to have several minutes of, uh, of actual footage. Right. Which he promises is going to be so freshly edited, it'll still be warm. Mm. So, so looking forward to that. It's going to yeah. be awesome. can so to so catch that panel on Friday the 25th, 25th I believe. I believe. Uh, 7, 730, 7.30 p.m. Room 5AB. Uh-huh. And if
2: you are still going to Comic-Con but you can't make the Friday night panel...
1: Uh, Shame
2: on you. There's actually a couple of opportunities to meet the cast. They're Ooh. they're going to be at booth uh, 1949 uh, for the whole convention, but they are they have designated a couple of times for autographs from uh, 3:30 to 4:30 on Friday, July 25th, uh, booth 1949, and then on. Uh, Saturday the 26th, there's going to be another signing. So in case you missed it on Friday or you couldn't go on Friday, catch the Nobility crew signing autographs, shaking hands, kissing babies. Uh, Saturday, July 26th, uh, booth 1949, if you get lost, look to the left, you'll see DC. Look to the right, you'll see Marvel, and somewhere in the middle, you're going to see Nobility. I can't think of a better place for him. Ah, it's going to be awesome, guys. This is uh, really shaping up to be a great time. You had asked me earlier... What we learned, mm-hmm. the, the, if I could have a one-word answer, it'd be validation. Uh-huh. I mean, if Doug Jones is in this, if Walter Koenig says yes to your show,
1: that means it's... Pretty, pretty it's, good sign that you're on the right track. That's what that, it means to me. That fans are going to respond. And right. I'm already responding, and all I could get out of them this time was that it's not going to be high drama. It's not going to be slapstick comedy, but it's going to have some drama and some comedy. In it. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be it's going to be a, a human, yeah, type of show with killer effects. They
2: already have an effects reel. Uh, you can check out their YouTube channel. Uh, just go to YouTube. Uh, search Nobility, the series, you'll see some uh, one of the coolest looking ships that I've ever seen. That is a cool looking ship. And an awesome uh, interpretation of like a jump drive, Mm -hmm. like where they kind of open the portal and it sucks them in, it stretches Mm -hmm. out the ship, it's really cool.
1: Which, as Uh, everyone knows, is the only way to travel across the universe.
2: uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You kind of have to have a jump drive, stupid. That's the only way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, And it's Neil Johnson. Uh, He's a British film and music video producer, director. He's worked with... um, uh, Man of War, Rhapsody of Fire, U2, small band, maybe you heard of him. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, this guy's
2: got some, you know, pretty serious cred. Uh, you can learn more about him. Uh, there's just a um, immense load of talent on this. Check out nobilitytheseries.com. You know, all these amazing elements are all there. This show is going to be
1: epic. Yep. And and there's a good chance you heard it here first. So please give us credit as you're telling your grandkids about this show many years from now. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, I can't I can't wait to see it, but obviously I'm going to have to. For at least another mm-hmm. year, I am going to get out to San Diego to uh to the Comic-Con to get sh- whatever little bits that I can from them. But still, this has got me wanting it more and more. So, you know, thank you guys for talking to us and uh stop listening to this and go work on your damn show. Learn more about it, go to the YouTube channel
2: and, and as always, you can find more information on them on our site, mattypradio.com, including not one but two shows uh, that we have made for them only.
1: And uh, it's free, on demand, anytime. Yep. And one of them sounds just like this.
2: Ah, uh, this is enough of this.
0: In a world where a couple
1: geeks grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons... And now they're adults, but they still want to talk about cartoons and movies and TV and comics and all kinds of geek stuff. And sometimes they talk to girls and drink rum and swear a lot. Go crazy. Lose your freaking mind.
4: Hey. Oh, great. You mean lose my fucking mind.
1: Hell yeah, I do. Hey, everybody. Grimshay here. Please join me and Mark e. Saturday mornings for Maddie P. Presents Saturday Morning Serial where we look back fondly and pay homage to those original happy hours as a kid. Saturday morning, up at 6 a.m., getting loaded with a bunch of cereal and just parking it in front of the TV. Tell them, Uncle Ruckus.
3: Why, folks, let me tell you something. There's no greater joy in life than to listen to
1: that damn and barkeep. But do not listen to them if they're talking to a colored man. It will ruin your day. Oh, damn it, Uncle Ruckus.
0: In a world where a couple geeks grew up watching Saturday
1: morning cartoons. And now they're adults, but they still want to talk about cartoons and movies and TV and comics and all kinds of geek stuff. And sometimes they talk to girls and drink rum and swear a lot. Go crazy. Lose your freaking mind. Oh, great. You mean lose my fucking mind? Hell yeah, I do. Hey, everybody. Grim Shay here. Please join me and Mark E. Saturday mornings for Maddie P. Presents Saturday Morning Cereal, where we look back fondly and pay homage to those original happy hours as a kid. Saturday morning, up at 6 a.m., getting loaded with a bunch of cereal and just parking it in front of the TV. Tell them, Uncle Ruckus. White folks, let me tell you something. There's no greater joy in life than to listen to that damn Grim and Barkey. But do not listen to them if they talk to a colored man. It will ruin your day. Oh, damn it, Uncle Ruckus. Join us this week on Maddie P. Presents Saturday Morning Serial as we celebrate the return of TNT's Falling Skies with roundtable discussions with stars Sarah Carter, Seychelle Gabrielle, Moonblood Good, and the incomparable Doug Jones plus our exclusive interview with star Connor Jessup. So take that, chicken little. For details, check out mattypradio.com.